Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time and you can still win playing underdog fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Attention. Attention. They are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime prime time. It's XL Prime Time featuring Joe C. Why in the world am I sitting back and being quiet about this? Matt Hayes. Suck it up, Buttercup. Mia O'Brien. My nose just decided to start bleeding. And Leon Searcy. Now you're yeah. just talking to Tom Fuller. Yeah. yeah. Rock and roll. Thursday is here. Jacksonville, ready to go into the divisional playoff weekend this time a year ago. I hate to keep bringing it up, but you were getting ready for another big ball game. This one a year ago was on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. What has changed? Well, the Chiefs are still in this divisional playoff round. The Jags ain't. That's just where we are, but we're going to look at the divisional playoff weekend and ask you a very basic question what do they have that we don't have that's pretty simple uh you heard the the line forever why can't we have nice things you know this type of thing so just start thinking about it what do they have that we don't have welcome into xl primetime i'm just going to start us off because we had a good uh, i would say team building morning minus leon minus jj but we'll explain it here in just a second but first i got to go with celebrate the fact that you still have some football this weekend, even though your Jacksonville Jaguars are not part of it. So we hung out with Coach Campo this morning. Now, Big Surce has already done this once before with him and Tommy <clears throat> Mack, uh, and we got to hang out with Coach this morning, which was kind of fun uh, and cool. We'll be telling you about it a little bit later on. But when you think about it, this football team and Jaguar City just wrapped it up as far as the decisions that have to be made. Some of them are going to be long, kind of whatever, take – a little bit of the offseason to figure out. Other ones, you're going to have to figure them out pretty fast. What are you doing with your defensive coordinator? Uh, how soon before you make the Calvin Ridley decision? All that type of stuff. So, Leon, when you go into a, a, an offseason, mm. as a football player, I know you like to unplug. Let's just use that as a you know kind of a new phrase. I, how soon before you get back with the guys and say, look, we dropped the ball the last month of the season. We, we got yeah. to get together, <clears throat> man. Yeah, I mean, um, they got to do. I mean, every every guy on the team has to do some soul searching. All mm-hmm. right, every every guy's got to do a uh, a pretty honest, uh, personal evaluation of uh, did they do enough to help this team win. The answer is no, because mm-hmm. you're sitting home. So they already get that out the way. You didn't do enough because if you did enough, you'd be playing this weekend mm-hmm. or play last weekend. So uh, as a player, I mean, you know, usually for me, I, I would it would be about thirty days. Okay. Thirty days. Just I would unplug. Get away unplug. From get away. Get get away from the city. Get away from. Take you and your family somewhere and just get away. All right, wherever it may be, vacation time. Uh, my kids were little at that particular time. It's usually Disney World, University, sometimes Universal, something like that. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you know you and then you get antsy because you you watching. This is just me personally. Sure. When you're watching the games and you, you know I, I I've always made the playoffs when I was so when you get eliminated and you watch the other teams play you're like. How do we? How, how man? We could beat this team, or we could beat that team. Or that team's not that good. You you do that. You look at that kind of stuff, and then that gives you the that gives you the want the want to be the want to get back out there and start training. But you don't want to do it too early. Most of these guys probably need a little bit of rest mm-hmm. uh, mentally. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because, of, I mean, that was, that was a colossal collapse, bro. I, that was an absolute colossal collapse. As much as you want to relax physically, mentally, watching other teams perform and play, hit mm-hmm. the Super Bowl and hoist the Lombardi, I mean, that, that's, that's troubling for any player that loves the game. Yeah. And look, they do. They want to unplug, but they know that they did, they did not hit the finish line the way they wanted to. Uh, after the season was finished, uh, I think, and, and Mia, tell me, uh, Demetrius, I saw a tweet out a picture of Anton Harrison purchasing yeah. his first home, which was really cool. But also you saw the right, uh, right arm mm-hmm. in a sling. Yeah. And so we don't know exactly what the procedure was. Um, not all that out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, we heard about the labrum injury yeah. during training camp. But think about that. That's a full season of and wear and tear on that show. And as Leon can attest, he played pretty darn well he did. for a 21-year-old <clears throat> rookie who won't turn 22 until next month. Well, I mean, listen, that's sad when you're your most consistent player on your team and your squad and your offensive line was your rookie. And he had a torn labrum. And he played with a torn labrum. Come on, man. That's a dog right there. <laughs> that's a dog that like, see, that's the type of dog you bring to I don't want to, I'm not condoning dog fighting. That's the type of dog you want to bring to a fight. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he, he he you know, I'm sure with that labrum or whatever, someone said, Hey, listen, you maybe need surgery. So he probably said, Nah, you know, I'm just gonna get the treatment or whatever and I'm gonna play. Yeah. I, I I like that. I like that. And, and look, he is a building block. I think one of the mm-hmm. bigger questions we talk about some of these gonna be long, uh like slow play over the off season questions. Matt, does he does he go from right tackle to left tackle? Does Cam Robinson stay? Where does Walker Little fit in? Honestly, those are so three much going big, on. big questions. It's, I mean, it's, it's actually we were talking about at the crossover. It, it's there's so much going on right now. D Rock made the point. Are you invested right now in Luke Fortner? Mm-hmm. Do you draft a center? Yeah. What about Calvin Ridley? And this is what I said. I, there's two ways to look at it. He's either a guy who. It took him a year to get used to football again, mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. going to be the same guy he was next year, or he is who he is. And Fair. and you either got to get cut bait right now because if he is who he is, you don't want him. Yeah, the problem is we're going to have to roll through the free agency candidates. There just mm-hmm. aren't a lot of them. No, no, I, I yeah. understand and, that. And, but and that, that and can really... you really bank on, number one, hitting on draft picks, mm-hmm. and number two, on 21, 22-year-old rookies coming in and having that instant impact? Yeah, and, and look, as much as but if, I... But if he's running wrong routes... True. There's not nothing. where he hey, should listen. be, and he's dropping balls. Yeah, if you do sign him or even sit down to talk about an extension on the on the Jaguars team side, that's the first thing that's got to be brought up, is that, okay, you did some things, you didn't do everything <laughs> right, well. well. How much money are you going to give for that? That's yeah, another know. problem. I know. You start tagging uh, cats at that position, it's yeah. expensive. It's real expensive. Yes. And so that's, that's really he's, where you're at. He is not worth the top five at his position. In the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you tag him, you're, you're, even if it's only for a year, you're way overpaying. Yeah, at least that's the way it feels because, and like we said, we'll <clears> go through the other free agent possibilities, who's out there. Uh, and, and it does. I, I think it's been described this way, Leon, that there are you know, a handful of people that, that when you start to break down and, and look at all the top wide receivers that are out there, there are a handful of them that we know are just superstars, studs. He's somewhere between, I would categorize him, every team has to have a one, right? Every team has to have a number one. But where is he, if he is your number one, where does he rank across the National Football League? I categorize him as a lower half number one. And yeah, I maybe mean, on other good, good teams, he's a number two. Yeah, I'm saying he's a good number two. I, I, that's the way he played this season. He's a good number two, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, you can't 
you can't do some of the things that, that we saw him do throughout the whole season and categorize him as a number one. Because the number one is a guy who stresses the defense, all right? Yeah. Stresses. I mean, as far as, you know, getting off of jams, getting mm-hmm. that, you know, nine routes, seven routes, whatever. Right. I'm not even sure if he can run the whole route tree. It doesn't matter, but if he, can he get open? Can he get separation? Can he catch the ball? Can he run the right route? That, that, those are some of the those are some of the questions that they go when free agency hits. The general manager, whoever's doing the negotiations, is going to say, "Hey, listen, they're going to watch the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, they're going to watch the film and they're going to do an evaluation of him and they're going to say, hey, listen, in these certain moments that we needed you the most, you did this, you did that. Some may be good, some may be bad. That's just the art of negotiations. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. By the way, 25th in yards, 29th in receptions. Yeah. And, and so I started Calvin that. Ridley this year. I started that thing off, JJ, by saying, you know, he's in the bottom half of the ones. That's about uh, right. I think you just, yeah, but I think you just kind of sent him tumbling into the cellar. I honestly, that's the last. That's the the bottom eighth, right there. That's that's not that's no bueno. And, and so this is also including you know tight ends. Right. Okay. Okay. But when you think about your offense, think about what Evan Ingram was able to do versus what Calvin uh, Ridley was able to do. Yards per catch. That's real. Uh, he definitely had a a better number there. And here's another thing that concerns me about Calvin Ridley is that in certain particular points in the game, he went ghost. I mean, I mean, a player of that caliber, I, I'm just saying I'm, I'm referencing to the fact that I played with two of those time greats here in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Jimmy and Keenan. When the game was in a lull and the offense seemed to be sputtering, Jimmy and Keenan would come to the sideline and say, hey, man, get me the damn ball. Mm-hmm. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. I don't see that. I mean, I'm not on the sideline, so I'm only speculating. But right. I'm just saying that no pivotal points of the game, I, I like how not like Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram seemed to be the type of guy to say, "Man, give me the ball. Right. I'm gonna get open. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find the pockets in the zone. I'm gonna get open. I'm gonna get this first down. I'm gonna get." It. I didn't see enough of that from him. That, mm-hmm. That's that's what's troubling to me. Yeah. Is that in a lot of points of the games he went silent. And, and all that communication that you do need yeah. for these guys to 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 thrive, you need that communication. I'll give you a terrible one. Jake Browning comes in here on a Monday night, mm-hmm. and he, we don't know what to expect from him. He is a he has been a backup. What was this year? Three year four of Jake Browning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he is five. I think actually, was it five? He went wow. through, or maybe okay. no, maybe four because he four. like he got I, cut by the Vikings, but he was there for like three years. Yeah, and so bottom line is you didn't know what to expect, and you didn't expect much from him. You know what happened? Jamar Chase said, "Get me the ball, get me the ball. Throw it my way. I will mm-hmm. get you down the field." And take a look at the number of catches he had against the Jaguars' D that Monday night. He torched them, uh, and, and he made play after play after play. And so those types of guys, and to reference in your point, is that you need a, a takeover a guy that basically says, I, I got this. You mm-hmm. lean on me, I am going to deliver. And, mm-hmm. and you need to find those types of guys. That 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 is 100% right now. So it's not a great feeling for, for your Jaguar uh, fans out there just to try and figure out exactly uh, where this team is headed with those bigger decisions. But there are some expensive decisions that need to be made with this football team. Now, they're going to be hiring coaches before they do that, but don't think for a moment. Trent Baalke better have this on his daily rundown. <laughs> I mean, every single day he needs to be thinking about the what ifs, the whys, uh, should I, should not, you know, that type of stuff. It is no doubt a transformational offseason or at least one of the most important offseasons in franchise history and not to get away from the hometown team. But as we discuss pivotal decisions in franchise's history, let's not bury the lead any further. The Dallas Cowboys yeah, 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 say they're yeah. sticking with Mike McCarthy. The Atlanta Falcons say that they are going to interview Bill Belichick for a second time next week, among other candidates. 
Does that make you laugh just on the surface? Like that, that, so now let's pair that with the Jaguars. <laughs> Those are two teams that are sticking their foot in the ground, drawing the line in the sand. Hmm. What 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 do those decisions versus the Jaguars' decision to run it back from a year ago, and we still don't know fully what the decisions this offseason will bring, how would you compare the two, Leon? Well, I mean, listen, I'm not surprised that the Cowboys are keeping Mike McCarthy. I mean, who are you going to go get? I mean, I know there's Harbaugh's out there and there's the Belichick's of the world out there, but you got to remember also this guy brought them 12-5, and 12-5, 12-5. Now he's 1-3 in the playoffs. All right, a lot of that has to do. You can say it could be his, his play calling. Listen, I was around some. I was around some Cowboys fans when it was happening. It's like all they do is throw slants. All they do is throw slants. I say, hey, listen, that's not my. That's that's your team. Don't get mad at me. So I mean, the play calling. I'm like, maybe. I mean, they got rid of what Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore left. He was he was the offensive coordinator, yeah, right? He was. Or a, he was the, the. I don't know if he was a figurehead. I'm no, no, sure he who, was the OC. Okay, call, he was but, the OC, but he was the punching bag. Last he was, year. he was, he was the scapegoat. He was the reason why they didn't get. So now, I mean, so now there's no state scapegoat. Mike McCarthy's making all the plays. I mean, he's calling all the plays. But Dak, I mean, if you like your coach, you got to respond a lot better than the way he's been responding in these playoff games. In these playoff games, I listen. Play regular season is fine, but legends are made in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Legends are made in the playoffs, and Dak over the last couple yeah. of years has just sputtered. I, I, look, I'll be the first to say I expected Mike McCarthy to be fired. I expected Jerry Jones to look at it and go, this is 100% not acceptable. Uh, and that's kind of what he said that night, that he said an inexplicable loss. But I guess when he looks at it and he comes up with the reasons to do it, but I, 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 I can't figure out why that team wasn't fired up, Leon, well, well, or well, organized. Ask yourself how many times did we say the same thing when it came to Jason Garrett? Well, we thought this was it's the true. year. This was the year Jason Garrett's got to go. Yeah. And what happened? Yeah. He's rehired. He kept him. He kept he him. Kept him. And, and, and if nothing else, Mike McCarthy does have a Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. When calling the plays, they did have this ascent offensively. They cleaned up a lot of mistakes and all that kind of stuff. But you can't help but go, how, like, what, what is worse? What is worse? Having a team that is lacking talent and because of the lack of talent doesn't get the job done, or the team that has loads of talent and doesn't get the job done. I don't know which one's worse. Mm. Because the loads of talent would just drive me batty, okay, if I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan with everything they've got. What do you make, Leon, of Doug Peterson saying he knows the whys, he believes he can fix this offense? And now Mike McCarthy being handed the keys to the ignition once again Mm -hmm. with the assumption of he knows what the issues are, he can fix it, they'll make the changes that they see, and obviously the most notable of which akin to here in Jacksonville is that Dan Quinn is probably coaching somewhere else. Yeah, listen, I know listen, I I, I know why I nicknamed him Dougie Fresh and he seems to be cool and mild mannered and moderate, but there seems, there needs to be a sense of urgency by the coaching staff and the assistants and the players to get because you know what, I heard that all this season long. I heard when they lost that one game, they're like, you know what? We've been here before. We got it. Mm-hmm. I heard it the next week. We're okay. We're, you know, we're going to figure this thing out. Bro, I don't, I don't, I'm tired of hearing that right now, bro. Because you know what? All those okay, we got it led to us out of the playoffs and losing five out of six. Yeah. I don't hear that anymore. There needs to be a sense of urgency on this coaching staff and these players to get in their rear ends and get, get, get stuff done. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm listen. I was never a person that was changed by yelling, a coach that yells at you, or whatever. But he's too cool for me. Mm-hmm. He too he's cool. too cool for you. He's too. He's too. He's too cool to model. Well, right now, he does seem a little more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, measured I mean, or lax or however you want to describe. I, it. I agree with you. It could be different behind closed doors. Sure. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. I would that's hope. true. But I've been saying all along that I think sometimes a coach has to publicly call guys out because then 
everybody knows what the problem is, not just inside that safe locker room. Because, Leon, that locker room is safe as far as comfortable. if you're – Yeah, it's comfortable is what it is. It, it, if, if you're getting criticized and only the other 52 know you're getting criticized mm-hmm. and no one outside knows you're get, getting <clears throat> criticized, then it, well, you've got a little bit of a yeah. buffer, right? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you an interesting thing TC did. TC never called anybody out, but he called units out. Okay. So if, if the offensive line couldn't run the ball or protect the passer, he said, well, you know, I mean, you could probably go back and check. He'll say, well, this offensive line was terrible. It couldn't protect, couldn't run the ball, couldn't get first down, couldn't convert this. <laughs> and so so I'm just saying. He didn't say 72 I, or He didn't 71 say 72, or... but we got the message. Absolutely, we got the message. I mean, uh, and sometimes you got you got to you hold you got, you got iron to the fire. You got yeah. to hold guys accountable for when they don't play well. You just yeah. got to call them out. And, Not by personally, but just unit-wise. And then back to Matt's thought inside the locker room, I do think you need to stress guys. You, you need to make them feel uncomfortable. Yes. You can't, uh, and I know you've told the story before, you can't berate them in front of their teammates to where they lose confidence. But at the same time, you got to charge them with the, hey, you this is top level. We need top level from you. Mm-hmm. And and that that's a well, tough one. I mean, listen, your locker room can't be no spa treatment. All right, you can't be in there getting mani pedis and getting you know back rubs and all that kind of stuff. You got to be stressed a little bit yeah. to get something out to players. It can't be comfortable. I mean, you can't you can't let these guys because because you go eight and three. I think this team got comfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh, I they got comfortable because they're a, home now. Yeah, they got extremely comfortable. And so whatever's going on in that locker room or whatever, without all the praising and the pats on the back, I mean, the hell with that, man. Get game, win some damn games. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, you guys, 641-1010, you can jump in, hit the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Go to YouTube, search 1010XL. JJ, they can jump in there easily. This is the Yahoo pop-off chat line. Yahoo! So just start jumping in on that, and then we'll start to set up uh, what do they have that we don't have, meaning uh, all of Duvall needs to get in on this as far as uh, what's one thing that each of these eight remaining teams have that, that, that Duvall doesn't, and start thinking about that. All right, Matt, I want to just at least hit a little college football, in particular uh, Jimmy Harbaugh, uh, because uh, the thing you threw out yesterday – was that he might be negotiating back and forth using one side versus the other side, which is what he should be doing. Uh, He's coached at a high level in both the NFL and college football, natty, Super Bowl appearances, all this type of stuff. But anyway, the chatter is, and you led us to this yesterday, was that he might be saying, hey, L.A., uh, Chargers, I I like what you're saying here, but I need to see a little more control. I need to see a little more Whatever, job security, dollar, whatever it is. I mean, where do you think that's? I at? think it's more control than today because he's going to get the money he wants either way. Right, and and he's also at the point in his career where I don't think he cares about money. He's not a guy that cares about money anyway. He's going to buy the, the same khakis. Look at the way he dresses. Right about that. <laughs> I mean, he, I love him. Oh. He, he was there was just a picture of him going. I think it was it was either his daughter or his nephew, somebody's game that he went to. He's walking in the gym with a pair of, of sweatpants on, sneakers. A Michigan T-shirt and a Michigan jacket over it and a beanie. Mm-hmm. He don't care. No, he doesn't. He, so I, I don't. He buys his khakis from Walmart. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just right. saying I don't think money, money's man. not his god. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I, I think it's more about control. It's more about what are you going to give me, Chargers, <clears throat> Falcons, Raiders, whoever? Mm-hmm. What are you going to give me that's going to make me feel like I have more control over the situation than I had last time? when it all fall apart with me and Trent Baalke. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what he's looking for. Yeah, and, and this goes – I do think he's a great uh, lab rat for our discussion. Is it easier to win in college or the NFL? 
I think he could have a longer run in the college game right now based on what he's built over and over and over. Yeah, but that's the nature of the business. The NFL, yeah. it's, it's rare when you get long runs in the NFL. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's so hard is that it's an eat you, eat you up, spit you out type of business. I think, I, just, it, I think it's hard to sustain. <clears throat> I don't think the coach – see, yeah. I think we're getting mixed up here. Yeah. You're seeing it as a hard to sustain. I'm looking at it from the point of view of it's the grind of the actual work you're doing, which I think college is just far and away harder. It, far and away. It, 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 you have limited time yeah. with your players. It's not just all ball. It's everything else. So that, mm-hmm. that part's true. Yeah, I mean, it's about the business of ball. I mean, in, in coaching, you recruiting and all in all the other kind of visits and all that. Yeah, he's everything. And, yeah, so in, in, in the NFL, you just, hey, six to, six to ten. Six to ten. Six to ten. Every day. Yeah, but it's like I, I think of Mark Stoops. Mm. How many guys are going to be winning an average of, you know, the ones that he's winning in, in the NFL? Mm. No, right, but out. again, we're looking at it different ways. Exactly. Look, you exactly. look from sustainability. Yeah. I look at it as Mark Stoops is not only trying to get that program to where the fans would rather watch football than Midnight Madness and basketball. Mm-hmm. He's trying to win 8, 9, 10, 11 games to get to a playoff now. 10 or 11 games to get to the playoff. He's trying to survive in the SEC. He's trying to deal with NIL. He's trying to deal with scholarships. He's trying to deal with walk-ons. He's got all different stuff going on that it's all in his purview. Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right, I want to at least segue that into college football uh, in the next seg, and then, and then we'll start to lay out our, our, our top eight. But They have grades for second-year coaches as far as the college football world oh, is baby. concerned. And I guess Here you I can, was going to – you can just imagine what grade Billy Napier got. I was going to pitch doing a fun little exercise going down the history of Alabama's head coaches to yeah. maybe give us some realistic expectations for what Kalen DeBoer could be. But that sounds a lot more fun, so maybe we we'll both. table that. Oh, maybe <laughs> let's do both. We do have three hours yeah. as opposed to during football season. Yeah, because honestly, it, it, uh, it, the more you listen, the more you hear the complaining uh, around uh, Gator Nation. And I think that's what people should be uh, zeroed in on. That's for sure. All right, we got plenty to do. It's XL Primetime. Hang out with us, YouTube. Uh, just if you're driving around, if you're listening to it at work, streaming, whatever it might be, it is XL Primetime, and we appreciate Nooner Nation. Well, I, I feel I feel fine moving forward. I, I just think how we finished the last six games of the year, how we did it, you know, and we had we had opportunities to win these games. It wasn't like we were out of a lot of games. You know, uh, down the stretch here, it's 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 we lost the game more than them winning the game. You know, and, and that's really that's really kind of been our season. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. Matt Hayes is shaking his head. And Big Sarsis, at, at those comments. I just, I hate that. Well, we lost the game more than they wanted. No, no you didn't. They okay? won. They <laughs> beat you. Scoreboard. It's not even that. It's like, like if someone typically 99.9% of the time, if I'm not right, Leon, when a team wins a football game, not only are they the better team, they've, they've physically beaten you. They've beaten you. And because they, they don't just randomly throw interceptions, your quarterback. He throws it because he's been pressured into it, yeah, because they've, yeah. they've, they've scouted and they know what's going on. You didn't beat yourself. No, the other team beat you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the way it works. So the, <laughs> so the self-inflicted wound talk of turnovers and le- not tackling, those, those things that you can control, we're over that. Well, I, well the, biggest, the bigger, bigger question is why are you doing those things? Mm-hmm. Why, why are you – 
creating turnovers? Why are you penal- Why are you doing the penalties? Why are you missing tackles? Because you do practice the week before the game, right? And you you should be accountable and assertive during practice so you don't make those mistakes on and Sunday. And the other thing so why? is that I would think it's one thing to say self-inflicted wounds if it happens once or twice. When it happened that many times, it, it's it, it really it's an unraveling of a season. In the words of Trevor Lawrence, kind of looks like we don't practice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now I'm annoyed. Yeah. Now I'm annoyed. Seriously. <laughs> well, that's, that's, yeah. that's insane that he would say that. Also, the Ravens and, and the Bucks beat your ass. Mm-hmm. Destroyed yeah. you. Yeah. And, and it was a quote. The Ravens somehow was a one-score game heading into the fourth yeah, quarter. That's what I was just about to <laughs> somehow, say. Somehow, despite giving away 20 points in the yeah. first half. Yeah, that's why I said it was, quote, a one-score game after three quarters. But that's only because they were at the goal line when, when – uh, They should have scored 20. They should yeah. have had 20 points or yeah. at what, 17 or 13 in the first half. Mm-hmm. Then it's, I mean, then you're in the lead. Yeah. Heading into the lead, heading into the fourth yeah. quarter. And, and again, these are, you can't take back those plays. No. Okay. Those are opportunities that you had that you needed to take advantage of and you didn't. And we all know what happened. It was an implosion inside the, what, five yard line after a big play. And you can't take those back. That is coaching. That is team prep. That is practice, like you're referring to, Leon. And, and they all count. They all. It also looked like the yeah. Ravens' offense never got out of you know second gear. They didn't have to do anything. No, it was a controlled game for them, for sure. Um, well, the good news is that uh, Doug Peterson, far from the only head coach with, or rather, searching for answers on this fine uh, Thursday in January, because Mike Tomlin meeting with reporters for the first time since the Steelers fell to the Bills in the postseason on Monday. At least they made the postseason, but that's a story for another time. Starts off the presser. Mm-hmm. Quote, I'm in a much better mood today. Anyone have any contract questions? Because uh, he had made the decision that he is coming back for the last year uh, under his contract. He did not want to talk about it the other day. So my guess is he did have a conversation with somebody. Well, my, here's my concern when it comes to Tom Lee. Yes, he's had 17 years with a winning record, right? But his last five playoff appearances, he's over. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is over. So, I mean, he gets you to the dance, but – I don't know. It's just ugly when it's ugly when he gets you there. So I will give Mike Tomlin this because today, Leon, we we know that Doug Peterson met with reporters last Monday. Said he hadn't decided on any staff changes, hadn't decided on things needed to watch the tape, and three hours later fired most of the defensive staff. Mike Tomlin, at the very least, took three days and gave reporters tangible evidence and an idea of what direction he's headed. Mm-hmm. He said he is looking at outside candidates for his offensive coordinator position. He said the two assistant coaches who filled in after he fired Matt Canada are not being considered at this juncture. He also said that Kenny Pickett, quote, certainly will be challenged from a competition standpoint in the upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Tangible things that this is what we're going to be doing when we re-come together this spring, mm-hmm. when we reunite this spring. And I'll well, give him that. At the very least, that's tangible. Like, this is what I saw over the last three days. This is what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, can they really go on the next year with, with Mason Rudolph? They're going to have to drill down on that quarterback position as well as the offensive coordinator position. Yeah. Because I mean, they fired. They I mean, fired. it was a nice story down the stretch. I mean, right. but, I mean, is it that serious consideration for him to be the starting quarterback for 2024? No. no. It is funny because you have had a, uh, at least a – a good story with backup quarterbacks this year from Flacco mm-hmm. stepping up, losing one, and then ripping off four wins or whatever the number was and making it to the to the postseason. Uh, and then you have all the other ones that stepped in, in in reserve roles and were able to do things. Jake Brown, like we just brought up. But 
going forward, you can't yeah. ride with that guy. No. You can't. He's been on that well, roster too long. I had Cleveland fans you're watching the game, you know, when Cleveland was doing all well with Flacco, they was like, well, you know, we're going to probably end up moving uh, Deshaun Watson and then going with Flacco and get him an extension. I was like, are you insane? What? Are you insane? I, uh, I said, first of all, no one's going to pick up that contract. And Flacco, after those two pick sixes, so how are you feeling now? Uh, to exactly. answer your earlier question about uh, the Steelers quarterback situation, when asked if he believes the 2024 quarterback is currently on the Steelers roster, Mike Tomlin responds, yes. Uh, he yeah. then, and, and the, again, this is where I'll give him credit, and this is where I think as we get ready to look at the eight teams that remain, what they have that the Jaguars don't have. Again, I will give Mike Tomlin credit because he's currently on the microphone in Pittsburgh, and he is not singing like a canary, mm-hmm. but he at the very least is talking about the hard things that need to be talked about, i.e., asked if his punter will need to be addressed this offseason. Quote, I'll acknowledge that Presley was not consistent enough down the stretch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess it's you can criticize the punter maybe a little bit more than you maybe do the other positions. Uh, not as a, a delicate uh, a conversation as maybe some of the other ones. But you just said he said that the quarterback is on the roster. I do not believe that. I don't either. Yeah, and so we're, we're going to find out because the, the coordinator that he hires is also going to have some say in that bad boy. First-round pick. It'll be the third year for Kenny Pickett when he's going in, and they may be ready to scrap that project. Here's a more specific one, and I think this leads perfectly into our conversation. After Najee Harris stated after the loss to Buffalo that Pittsburgh, quote, needed some changes to in-house rules, discipline, mm-hmm. getting on guys, Mike Tomlin said there, quote, certainly needs to be changes to things when asked about those comments. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, what I mean – I mean, was Najee specific as far as in-house rules? I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I'm trying to get. I'm pulling it up right yeah. now. Yeah, um, I, I guarantee you, there's not a whole lot of. He, but he kept saying that, because yeah. yeah. because he was asked, and and then he kind of realized what he was saying mm-hmm. that it sounded bad on Tomlin. So he was kind of backtracking a little bit, but then he kept saying it. No, yeah. he said here it is. So he said <laughs> there's some in-house things that need to be changed. That doesn't mean the coaching staff, the in-house rules need to change. We've got to be more disciplined. We have to be more committed. Okay. All right. So he, and still gray area there. Yes, but, but, but very it, gray area. But but at the very least, he is turning it back to the coaches or whoever's in charge. You know, he's you thinking, he's that. thinking, uh, this didn't happen in Alabama. I can yeah, tell you that right yeah, now. That's yeah. what he's thinking. Well, and, and Najee wow. has had decent <clears throat> seasons and then kind of disappeared in the beginning of this year. And then they came back to it, obviously. Uh, later in the season. You know, it's well, funny. Real I, quick, well, I, I've well, always yeah. wondered with those Alabama players why a lot of them don't become what you thought they would become, become in the NFL. Is it because they're in such a regimented situation there with Nick and then they get to the league and it's – they all say to a person it was harder in college, the practices were harder, the rules were stricter, like we had to be yeah, but, a team. Well, that, that, that was – same thing, me and Miami – Miami practices was harder. The conditioning was harder. The the regiment and the rules you could not you could not break them. You Jimmy will send you home in a minute. So yeah, that, I mean, so it I allows you it allows you to freelance a little but, more to where you but, have to be like you. You have to be no. I know what I have to do. Well, but if you're yeah. not, you don't have that personality. It's easier for you to get lost. Listen, right? I was more relaxed. I was more relaxed in the NFL than I was in college. Now, the speed of the game was different. Mm-hmm. But once I got equipped to the speed of the game, I was cool. I just it. feel like even though we're we're going up a level and it's yeah. pro, we're talking professionals, there was such a good collection of talent well, at Alabama at any one I guess what I'm trying to say is those were good guys at Alabama. Yeah. So were they not good in the NFL, some of them, mm-hmm. because – 
they got a little lax. They fell out of like what wow. they should be doing, whereas Leon realized, okay, it was harder in college, but I also realized what I need to do to succeed. You know what? I first, the first time I realized that college was, I mean, the NFL was different than college, when I was with the Steelers on the plane ride back from a game and we lost and guys were in the back drinking and celebrating, I was like, what the hell is going on? I was rigid in my life. I hadn't even played in the game, right? I was rigid, upset, or whatever. <laughs> guys back there playing spades and cards and, and pouring liquor in the back of the seat. And I was right. like, what in the hell is going on here? <laughs> I know in the Miami, we had lost a game, which we, we rarely lost a game, but we had lost a game. That plane was quiet. Yeah. In the NFL, you lose a game, they celebrate. You know guys, what you found out? I said, wow. Uh, you found out you win, you lose, you get paid. I, I see. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah. no, it's all part of it, really. Yeah. It really yeah. is. But but it, it, they give you the freedom as a professional because you are paid. Uh, and either you cut it or you don't. And, and so you got to find out your way, which is what Leon did, obviously, mm-hmm. found his way. And I'm sure and, – and Mike Tomlin has been a successful coach, and I'm sure Najee's just looking around going, you know what, <clears throat> they maybe have forgotten some of the things that got them there. Now, what I get from Najee and what he said, I'm well, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating. It, it sounds to me that – He's saying that all the rules don't apply to everybody. Mm, okay, yeah. and and you know him, the pickings, yeah, and, the pickings and him deal, from, and, and him coming from Alabama, where everybody, right there. Yes. everybody was dealt with the same way. Yeah, he's he's. That's I, my point. I'm, I'm getting from him is like he's saying, well, the rules don't apply to everybody. But you know, and some of those Alabama matter. guys, when they realize the rules don't apply for everybody, the ones that don't that don't succeed. They kind of veer off. Yeah, but the, the guys that have that in them and they're not veering, they succeed. But the one major difference that will always separate at least a little bit of this conversation is your roster's cut in half. Mm. It's cut in half. And so you 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 just can't rule with an iron fist and and, and reach back and say, get in here, next guy. You can't. It's no, I, not, I, I understand all that. I understand all that. Yeah. I was just kind of right. I've always wondered why. Those Alabama players, first-round picks, you think, my God, this guy's going to be fantastic in the NFL. And they yeah, just, they it's just true. don't it's, turn out. But it's funny because <clears throat> they, there was so much good around them, especially against the teams they were playing that was so much better. That's why I think all of them yeah, ended but, up look, or look good then. Miami don't have first-round picks. <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> all right, now we definitely have to stay in college football, but let's at least do just a little bit of what we talked about. What do they have that we don't have? Let's pick a couple of teams Right now, we've got eight of them to do. So, I and look, I'm just going to go back to our our rankings and our uh, quarterback play, and let's just the Bucks. I think we all had at or near the bottom, mm-hmm. did we not? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the Bucks were at the bottom of a lot. So, what do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have that this team doesn't have? And I'll just at least start us off. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Hall of Famer, Mike Evans. <laughs> okay, sure. I, I, we're talking about legit. Playmaking. I don't care who's quarterbacking me. If Vita Vea. Yeah, Vita Vea is another one, and that's mm-hmm. an interior guy in the middle. Uh, a good offensive line, solid obviously. offensive line. You know, not nothing really special, but good and solid. Because I think they, that's important to note, Leon. Mm-hmm. It's not the offensive <clears throat> line that got Tom Brady to a, his seventh Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's far from it. There's only maybe well, what Worfs and well, like heck, one they other piece. Worfs to the most important position. Correct. This year, first time ever playing. Well, first well, time in the pros playing yeah. left tackle. I, you're absolutely right. I mean, he's the goat. But I'm just saying, it's something about a guy's presence in that huddle. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom Brady's presence in a huddle elevate. It, 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 it will for me. If, if I was playing and Tom Brady is is my quarterback, oh, yeah. your play is elevated because you know how great he is, and you know if you protect him, he can take you somewhere. And it, mm-hmm. and, it, and it worked out. I'm just saying, Tom Brady's presence in that huddle 
if, if he's telling you doing something wrong or you need to do this and that, you listen. Well, now mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield's leading that huddle. That's what I'm saying. Is statistically speaking, this offensive line is inferior mm-hmm. compared to those ones of the 2020-2021 season in Tampa. Mm-hmm. That's what's crazy. Yeah. And look what they're able to do. Yeah. So, so you're saying the Jags are lacking Tom Brady. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> More than um, that. That's at least one of them. <laughs> of course. I mean, honestly, okay. what, what? You, you may not like this. At the yeah. top of my list, Hart. Okay. okay. Hart. And, and I, I don't think. Want to. And by the way, each one of these teams, you you may use that as another example of what they have that this team doesn't have. You watched the Bucks play last week? Yeah. They got a little want in them. Yeah. You know what and, I mean? And, and by the way, there are good guys on the defensive side that are getting long a tooth that are still making plays for them. Sure. And you know what else? They're assignment rich. They're smart when it comes to assignment football. They don't abandon their gap. And, you hear right. that all the and time. I'm, I'm not saying that this team. This team had it last year. Yeah. So the question is, how, how do you lose something like that? Maybe it's a better, a better question for Leon because how do you go as a team from having that want, that heart, that desire, to literally look like you're walking, going through the motions mm-hmm. in the last six, seven games of the season? Yeah, how I, does that happen? I don't know because I've never done it. I told you I've been on. I've been on. I, I, I never, I've never seen a team. Imp- I've never been on a team that imploded down the stretch. We were either bad and finished good, or mm-hmm. good and finished strong. So I mean I, I can't I you can't rare fa- is what you're saying oh, yeah, yeah. rare is rare 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 air so I can't fathom I can't fathom a team being in in a situation where they're the number one seed right and and just lose out I mean basically lose out Carolina don't count but basically you're, lose you're right. out you're exactly right basically okay so Bucks receiver play yep. line Vita Hart mm-hmm. uh, anything else because Todd Bowles saved himself a job this yeah. year he really did. Uh, the way he coached him up, and 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 heck, Baker saved himself. I mean, you, you you probably have to ask uh, Coach Campbell, but I mean, Bowles in that game against the uh, Eagles, either called cover two or cover zero. Yeah, and kept sending guys, and he kept it simple. Yeah, he kept it simple, and he and you, he just kept it simple. He he util, he used the talent that he had, what they do best, mm-hmm. and he called that on every yeah. play. You either right. you you're either going. You are literally either playing zone or you're covered there when everybody's going. Exactly. All right, so let's do one more uh, in the in the AFC, and and then we got to do a little college here. But let's uh, take the AFC South Texans. What what do they have that Jacksonville doesn't have? And Bobby Slowick. <laughs> well, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that suggestion because that's their coordinator versus this coordinator. One's been heavily lauded. The other one's been heavily criticized. So I, I, I won't argue with that one at all. Um, and I, I'm going to go back to the receivers again. Uh, and look, I, I, it's without Christian Kirk and without Zay Jones, they missed a total of, what, 14 games? Yeah. It's hard to be like 100% critical of this receiving core because of the valuable games that they missed. Mm-hmm. But, but mm. well, well, this year, a better quarterback. Mm-hmm. When you it's all what, said and done, you can say what you want to say. C.J. Stroud better believe that was the best quarterback in the AFC South. Yeah, period. By a long way, actually. Yeah, when it's all said and done, he outgunned him, outdueled him, outperformed him. However you want to describe it. Now we go back to that Thanksgiving weekend game, and both of them had solid games. Mm-hmm. Trevor did what he needed to do, yeah. and they won that football game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, C.J. Stroud, you 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 can't and preparation. Okay, because D'Amico, you have to give credit. D'Amico is D'Amico coached this past week against the guy he played against in Joe Flacco. Yeah. Okay, as a rookie head coach, mm-hmm. coaching against a guy he played against, and obviously Joe Flacco 
turned into a pumpkin, you know, midway through that game. But that's D'Amico's defense too. And so, yeah, the, all right, so those are two good ones. Those are two good ones. We'll keep going with some of those other ones as far as, you know, where you think, what you think those teams have that this team doesn't have. And you definitely are more than welcome to chime in on that one, 641-1010. Uh, you can give us a little bit of your take. All right, we mentioned this real quick, so let's at least touch on it. Grades for second-year head coaches. Oh, you want to do this right now? Just real quick. Just touch it oh, on just no, a wanna, little bit. I want to spend a whole segment I know, on this. I know, I'm I know. so excited. But we're just teasing this bad boy because we, we, at the very least, we brought it up and we got to at least let people know what we're talking about because second-year coaches either took a big step forward, neutral, just flatlined, or took a big step back. Now, in the case of Billy Napier, was it a big step back or was it a flatline? It was a flatline, I think, or worse. He was consistent. Because it was bad. Bro, it was consistent, they weren't right? even bowl eligible. How could you say that's not a f- step well, it's, back? It's, oh, it's a step back. I'm just saying, in other words, the, he had such a low bar to get over, and he didn't get over it, is my point. Okay? In other words, it was bad in year one, and it was bad again in year two. He had a, they, they were worse as far as wins, weren't bowl eligible, had a worse recruiting ranking this year than last year. Yeah. By any metric you're looking at, yeah, they regressed. Yeah, so there, yeah, and no, no argument there. And so uh, the website boys of CBS were giving him a D. I'd give him an F. Yeah, I think I think it's fail. Yeah, I, I I'd give him an F. I mean, it, it is a fail. And then when you talk about some of the other ones, and let's just use Kalen DeBoer as an example as we set this up. You know, you're talking about one guy that was uh, a plus, a, a, a stud, an A, and Kalen DeBoer and what he was able to do in Washington, second year, and then Billy Napier. Just think about that. Yeah. Kalen DeBoer was in his second year in Washington. Well, he didn't have to play against the SEC. <laughs> he didn't have to go to Starkville. Not that same schedule. He did have to beat Texas, Nashville, who's soon to be in the SEC. Columbia, South yeah. Carolina, Ex- Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, yeah. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Hey, look, I don't <laughs> honestly. Wait, wait. Let's let's just again. We're gonna get into this in, yeah. the, in the one o'clock hour. But here here is a list. Here is the list. We will give you the grades coming up in the one o'clock hour. The list of second-year coaches. So I want you guys, you Nooner, Na- Nooner Nation out there, just think about what grade you would give these guys. Billy Napier, mm-hmm. Mike Elko, Brian Kelly, friend of the program, Mario Cristobal, Marcus Freeman, Brett Venables, Dan Lanning, Sonny Dykes, Lincoln Riley. I'm not even giving you all of them. I'm just going to oh, give you those. Because definitely. like that, that in and of itself, knowing that that is 75% of the list, is all you need to know about where the hire that Florida made two years ago currently sits in yeah, retrospect. Yeah, and if you want to add up record-wise what Billy did in Gainesville and what Kellen DeBoer did up in Washington, that's probably a good starting point for you. Uh, so let's let's but do. Joe, he also coached in the Pac-12. You know? Yeah, of course. Half of those guys I just uh, listed are already like onto another job. That's a better job. Yeah. Some oh, of yeah. which are in the SEC, by the way, for and, what it's worth. And by the way, we will find out what Kalen DeBoer can do in the SEC versus right. the Pac-12. That's very, for sure. Very soon, because I do want to do that coming yeah. up in either the 1 or the 2 o'clock hour. Yeah. What is acceptable for Kalen DeBoer at Alabama year <laughs> one? Because what was acceptable at Alabama pre-Saban? Will we revert to pre-Saban akin to reverting to, I don't know, pre-Spurrier here mm-hmm. in Northeast Florida? Let's discuss that and a whole lot more coming up on XL Primetime. You know, we, we're in the process of rebuilding the roster. We're in the process of learning how to make it work at the University of Florida, you know. And uh, we were here, we're brought here for a reason. There's no denying that we have work to do, but I think what gives me confidence is what I see from the players, the growth I see 
their words, their actions, the way they work, the, the selflessness, the sacrifice. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. For the that, second time this program, yeah. Joe, not to cut you yeah, off or yeah. you jump in front, yeah. we have to address, for those of you not watching on YouTube, for the second time this program, it's only 101. Matt Hayes is shaking his head. I mean, he well, freaking sounds like Clark Lee. Yeah. He sounds like he's coaching Vanderbilt. Well, I was going to start off by You're saying... You're not at Vanderbilt, Billy. Hey, Vanderbilt's going to be the best team in the America. We were we brought in here to do a job. Yeah, win games. All win right. games. It, it's so funny because I have now decided, and what I was going to say to lead it off is that I now am reveling in playing these sound bites just so Matt can have that reaction. Is that it's like I, it's like you know it what it is, is. Now, it is now making it's, me happy to see you. It's midnight run when Dennis Farina says this is gonna make me angry. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. You're doing this to me right now. <laughs> I, know have, that. I have now decided instead of you making me angry, I'm gonna do that to make you angry. Uh and I'm sure Gator Nation is angry when they hear I that. really liked Billy too. I thought the hire I was a good hire and, and I thought he was gonna be successful, and I'd love for him to be successful because he's a good dude. But I man. Again, I, there's another thing you just said I don't believe. Yeah, but. no, that's true. It's I'm telling you right now, it's true. Yeah. I I just think that it's I I don't think there's any kind of sense of urgency with right, him, right. man. I, like, and I, I was telling you guys that from year one. He walks in the silence, and you don't see it, man. No, you don't see the sense no, of urgency. No, and, and look, there are so many different ways to either criticize or attack. Uh, what isn't working uh, down in Hogtown, that's for sure. Uh, and we won't stop. I mean, that's our job. It's sports radio. I'm going to talk about the Jaguars' problems, uh, the Knowles' success, uh, Miami. Uh, you know, we, get, we do it all, okay? But we're not going to be blindly led by somebody saying what he thinks are all the right things and, and look forward to all the answers later when they don't come. It's just as simple as that. I mean, when he starts talking about champions of life, then yeah. you've got a big problem. Well, yeah. And, and look, go, once I, he goes down the Butch Jones path. That'll take me to Sergeant Carter of Tennessee, uh, Butch <laughs> Jones, because that's exactly what he was. You know, they're building he champions. Literally oh, way, sounds like Clark Lee right now. Seriously, he does. You, you know the road I've gone down. I've called him uh, Gus Napier or Billy Bradley, and I, I, I don't like doing that. Uh, because, heck, uh, Gus Bradley was as good an energy guy as you could ask for, a most positive guy. But the win percentage was the most P-poor win percentage I mean, one they dude, had in the modern era. Our one dude on the text line has been doing this for like the last month and a half now. He calls him, he calls him Willie Napier mm-hmm. for Taggart. Yeah. And, and that, there's nothing wrong with that one. He's got either. a point. Yeah. Man. I just want to know does he know if there's been a murder in Savannah? And does he have Taggart the information? Also, <laughs> Taggart, Taggart also wasn't a sense of urgency type of guy. And I liked Willie Taggart too. I wish he would have made it there. Right. What, Both good dudes. What blew my mind was how Willie Taggart would recruit and talk to recruits, Leon. And, mm-hmm. and they vibed with him. They really did. They had a connection. And I guess that's not unlike what Billy seems to have with some of the recruits that he's got. Anyway. It did not translate on the football field at all, mm-hmm. at all. And the same thing happened in Miami. I mean, Mario. I mean, he, you know, you you bring back the prodigal son. The expectations are high. He goes out and recruits. He's getting top ten recruits, top five recruits, and he goes into the season and you the debacle of Georgia Tech, and you followed you, it with another loss and another mm-hmm. loss, and then you you can't lose the Rutgers, bro. Uh, you can't. It's, you know you what it is. Yeah. All three of those guys. When you were thinking about it, Taggart, Napier, and Mario. This is for me anyway. Mm. I love what they stand for. I love that they are about 
you're molding young guys to be like men and football players. I love that. Yeah. Love it. And you could throw Manny in the conversation is, too. Yeah, the problem is, yes, Manny, of yeah. course. Yes. Yeah. They all I love what those guys stand for philosophically, but they're just not winning football games. Yeah. And at the end of the day, your job is to win football games. Yeah. Not to say we were brought here for a reason and it's a process. It's not a process. No. Not no. within IL anymore. It's okay, not so, a process. So let's leave this off, okay? One o'clock hour. We said we were gonna get back into this. We'll definitely get back into the Jags, what other teams have that you don't have. So Duval definitely chime in on that. But the record for Kalen DeBoer in two years' time in Washington is twenty-five and three. Twenty-five and three. And that's after his previous head coaching stints. I mean, it's what? He has like twelve oh, losses yeah. overall and, yeah, since two thousand eight or whatever it is. He's one hundred and four and twelve in 116 career games. Yeah, you know what else he is too? In the nine seasons he's coached, his teams have either won a national title. Or played for a national title right. five times. Yeah, and so that's excellence on whatever yes. level you are classifying it. And then at the same time, you can add up what we said was a 500 record and then a sub-500 record for Billy, which gives him a flat-out F, at least on XL Primetime. I think that's what he's got. Uh, CBS Sports gave him a D. And, and so you look at the other ones, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly immediately got his team to an SEC championship setting, didn't win. Uh, Jaden Daniels got hurt, and they got rolled. Uh by Georgia, but at the same time, they got there, and then he came back the next year and, and got a Heisman Trophy. Got some hardware for his quarterback. Um, they won 10-10. Ten and ten. Yeah. Right. He went back-to-back 10s. Double-digit wins. But if you're, if you're being you know, intellectually genuine about it, okay, that defense was terrible. Oh, they regressed yeah. big time. Yeah, very, Which is very, why now he very, is circling back, and everybody who he relieved of their duties when he first arrived in Baton Rouge – he is bringing back. Corey Raymond headed back to Baton Rouge. The defensive coordinator who left for Mizzou headed back to LSU as well. So at least, again, in the words of Doug Peterson, he knows the whys, or he says he knows the whys, and is attempting to fix it. Yeah. And, and, and I think we know. He gets a B, we, a B plus, by the way, from CBS yeah. Sports. Yeah, Brian That's Kelly got yeah, And I think if, if we mention what LSU has been through the years, it was centered on defense. It really was. Forever. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, forever. Yeah. And so if he gets that part of it fixed, obviously to go along with the offense that he's been able to put out there, it's going to be pretty good. Lincoln Riley, the exact same thing. He has a 19-8 and eight record. Now, USC wasn't all of that when he walked in. We all know that. And he was able to get it done, get him close to a playoff appearance, not this past season, but the one before. And then this one unraveled, particularly defensively. It just came – it came – uh, came apart. So, uh, like, you start trying to figure it out. There are guys that have a plan, and you can obviously see the fruits of their labor. And then you got other ones that are you're sitting there scratching your head, like, when do we pull the the the, the cord, the pull the plug on on this bad boy? And that's what's happening down in Gainesville. Uh, Mar- uh, Mario Cristobal, Leon, what grade do you think would you give him versus what CBS Sports? Gave well, him? I'm, I'm I'm on the site, oh, so I already see know. It. Oh, you yeah. know the answer. He he deserves it. Just do. So he's just above Billy Napier mm-hmm. and Lincoln Riley, by the way, who also got a D for his two years thus far at USC with a D plus with CBS Sports. Tom Fernelli saying the good news is Miami didn't lose to Middle Tennessee this year. The bad news, it went from seven and six to a bowl game and it's 12 and 13 in two seasons under Cristobal. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to get the plus. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the plus? What led you? You beat AM, you beat Jimbo. Oh, yeah, that was early yeah, on. I go. mean, early on, we were doing pretty good. And then Georgia Tech, and then North Carolina State. And then who else did we lose to? Uh, Florida State, mm-hmm. um, Louisville. And then the, the dagger in the heart was Rutgers, who was 0-11, by the way, against Miami. 
historically. Yes. Somewhere yeah. Greg Schiano is smiling. And, yeah, of course. And, and against a, a former respected assistant in yes, Greg Schiano. Yes, down, down absolutely, absolutely. All right, so here's the other part of this question. And you talk about two years. What have they done? The two guys that were in the Pac-12, and I can't uh, – listen, I love the Pac-12. I will miss the Pac-12. Uh, Pac-12 after dark, it just ain't going to be the same. But Bill Dan- Walton, please come join 1010XL. Well, Dan Lanning and Kalen DeBoer profited off of poor defenses out there. Bo Nix profited off of poor defenses. Michael Penix did as well. Both of those guys left where they were and went there, and they flourished. They prospered. We, we, that's just what the Pac-12 is. Is it a, as difficult a conference as the SEC? I think most years, in, year in, year out, you would never argue that. But that was a pretty good conference this year. It was fun to watch. You had a lot of good players that came out of there. And so Lanning gets a B-plus. I have no problem with that because of the job that he did. But, yeah, now you're going to step into a, a, at least a, a bigger arena uh, with the Pac-12 to, you know, being broken apart. But what do you think about Dan Lanning gets a B-plus – Sonny Dykes gets an A minus, which yeah, obviously you know, know recency bias, right? Recency bias, a five and seven season this year would suggest it should not be an A minus. But obviously, he did take them to a national title game last yeah. year. Yeah, and then and then he brought in a lot of newbies two years ago, got them to an unbeaten season. Max Duggan, really fun player to watch. A lot of other really good players on that football team. You can't fall flat on your face like he did. You can't let Dion and primetime walk into the college football world with the Colorado Buffaloes and beat you on week one. And it took – they recovered, but they certainly didn't recover the way well, that you would have expected or, or, or respond after a listen, championship appearance. They created the storyline for Dion. I yeah, mean, if, they did. if Colorado goes in, lose, well, we all expected them to lose that game. If they just lost the game by 21 points, I, I'm not sure if the, 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 the phenomenon that was Dion would ever been true. born. They were a 21-point dog yes. in that game, mm-hmm. and they won. Yeah, and so Sonny Dykes, I don't know how they give him an A+. Plus, uh, I, or was it an A-? Minus, A-. Minus. I don't know how they do that. That just doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me. Uh, and so when you start thinking about it, what type of grade does Billy Napier or any of these other guys, Mario, uh, Brian Kelly, and these other guys in the South, what type of grade do they get in year three? What does Brian Kelly do? Does he fix that defense, Matt? Because I feel like he will. Uh, it's not like when he was at Notre Dame they had poor defenses. Uh, it's just that he came down and decided, I'm going to marry up most of my transport portal guys with my offense and make sure I can score. Well, I mean, he – so he got Blake Baker back, which is a big deal. Blake Baker, that Missouri defense, was really good the last couple of years. Um, and and that's a start. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, though, it's about players. And they missed on some portal guys last mm-hmm. year. It's simple as that. They did. And, and you, we're at the point now, as far as in the procurement of players – is it's just as important in the portal as it is in high school recruiting. Mm-hmm. So when you miss, you miss immediately, and then more more times than not, those guys you missed on, they leave. Mm-hmm. Or you or they're forced out, however you want to look at it. So you're constantly feeding the beast, and you've got to hit. You've got to hit in the portal. That's why with Mike Norvell, I mean, you know, we were talking yesterday about all these Alabama guys, and, and yeah, they're four- and five-star guys, but there was a reason they didn't play at Alabama. Mm-hmm. The guys in front of them were better. Yeah. All right. So now you have to hit on these guys. Mike Novell has to hit on these guys. How many? Like people? he hit with Keon Coleman. Like he hit with with all these guys with Fisk and and Jared Verse and all those guys that they got out of the portal that he hit with and that led them to that spectacular year last year before Jordan Travis got hurt. Mm-hmm. Can he continue to do it? Right. Exactly. Because you got to identify the guy that you know can come in immediately that can meld that can do whatever he needs to do. You know what his skill set is and can he come in and immediately? Because if you're the- you. You can't 
the way it used to be done organically, where you built through high schools, there are really two or three, maybe four programs that can do that because they're already at that point of where they're in the process of those guys just moving up and getting better. Mm-hmm. Even though some of their guys are leaving, like the Ohio State guys are leaving, the Alabama guys are leaving, uh, the Georgia guys. Georgia lost 17 or 18 players. So they're getting hit by it now, too, by the portal. So right. at some point, they're going to have to start to turn and get more impact how, players from the portal. How many has Alabama seen leave since? 20, I think 20, 21. Yeah, something like that, and only three have come in. Is that right? Sounds. I think it's in that. Yeah, but that's that will change quickly. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. That will change quickly. Th- three, to, three to 21. So 21, I mean, how many were impact players? Because Well, they lost five starters, and they were good guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 all, right. I'm, I, all five of them are going to play in the NFL. All right, real quick, because we need to get back to the Jags and, and, and the, the divisional round. Uh, in the name of JR, we got to throw Boomer Sooner out there. Brent yep. Venables, what, what grade would you give him at the very least? I mean, up considering yes. first yes. year was just okay, not awful. Uh, that you can easily- Which also you have to account for, and again, this is every coach stepping into a new situation now, that his roster was essentially being moved before he even took the job what, because Lincoln, Lincoln Riley yeah. literally took the whole roster with him. Okay, but think about this, okay? First year, I'm not going to say disastrous, but certainly Six and seven as, at Oklahoma is disastrous. Yeah, yeah, it, it, especially where they were. Yeah, and then where what they been forever, and then yeah. what the, and then what happened to them? And you're like, oh my gosh, Brent Venables is not ready for this. This is this is too big for him. What does he do? Dylan Gabriel effect. Everything changes in the second season to the good. They knock off Texas. They have a decent season. Well, I mean, ten and two, both their losses were one score games. They could yes. have won both those games. And so my whole point is, is that. That's what you're supposed to do in year two. After you get bruised and battered by the teams you faced as a first-year guy, Billy Napier had been a head coach. He knew what to expect. Brent Venables had been a long-time trusted assistant for many, yeah. many, many years. Yeah, they were. In, and he turned it around Joe, in a, they in a shorter were amount of time. a lot closer to being the playoff than people think. Those, both those games they lost, Kansas and – God, who was that second team? It was another upset. Both those games they lost – they should have won number one and number two, the Arizona game. They're playing with a retro freshman quarterback who who had like thirty five throws the entire season. Yeah, that's why they lost that game. Mm-hmm. He threw three picks in that game. Right. They were very very close from being in the playoff. Yeah, right. so in year so, two. Yeah, which is pretty good. That's for sure. Whereas Lincoln took a step back in year two, and Venables took a step forward in the program that Lincoln had had so much success at. All right, so we'll keep it going on the college football world, try and deliver some CFB to you every single day on XLP because there's stuff happening all the time. But then back into uh, what they have that you don't have with your Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, we'll get to a couple more teams that are still alive in the divisional playoff round. Up Lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. 21 minutes past the 1 o'clock hour on a Thursday edition of XL Primetime. We are back to being with you until 3 p.m., just like we are the other four days of the week on Thursdays. Thank you, Jaguars, for faltering down the stretch. I'm just kidding. Mia O'Brien, Josie, Matt Hayes, Leon Searcy, and J.J. LaSelva. Let's get it back to the National Football League and our exercise going around the eight teams that do remain in the NFL playoffs. What do they have that the Jaguars need, Josie? Yeah, it's like, what do they got that you don't got? And it drives you crazy. And we, I, I think Matt may have heart as far as, like, you know, a category – uh, that that you probably could apply to every team out there, and then you might say this team lacked a little of it 
down the stretch. Uh, definitely tell us what you think, 641-1010. Hit the text line or on YouTube you can throw a thought away. So the next two teams I want to throw out there, we mentioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Houston Texans. Let's go with the pack, okay, Leon, because the Packers surprised the heck out of people. And they go into Dallas, and Dallas's defense was deplorable. We all know that. But at the same time, the Green Bay Packers turned some heads. So what would you say that they have that we don't have or wow. Duval doesn't have? Man. I'm going to throw one at you. I'm going to say youth. Okay. They're young. They're relatively a young team. I mean, this They're is the youngest team in the NFL. Youngest team in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, the youngest team in the NFL, they had a stat on the game when they were playing the Cowboys. That number One year and second year guys mm-hmm. at the receiving position. It was just crazy to me that they had so many, so much youth on that team. Right. Because relatively, when you got a young team, you don't expect them to play, you know, with the experience of being in the playoffs for the, you know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Against the Cowboys at in, in, in Jerry World, that team, the expectations to win that game were insurmountable, mm-hmm. so to say. And they came out and they destroyed the Cowboys. Yeah, they did. Surprised yeah. everybody. Uh, so the one thing I would say is a consistent running game. True. That they stuck with. Aaron Jones, yeah. Okay? Yeah. And they had to deal with injuries because A.J. Mm-hmm. Dillon was in and out. Aaron Jones was in and out uh, mm-hmm. as far as the season is concerned. But they had a run game, and they went in with that attack and said, we are going to run right at the Dallas Cowboys, which other teams have done and been and have been successful. But they did it uh, to the tune of, what was it, six yards per carry? Uh, it was crazy how good. And I love watching Aaron Jones. So that that's how I'll start mine off. You've got youth. I've got run game. You've got for the Packers. Yeah, Matt Lafleur. <laughs> and, and and here's another thing about Matt Lafleur is that I'm just just for those of you keeping score, I now have Bobby Slowick and Matt Lafleur. Yeah, so which is fine. someone from the yeah. Shanahan tree, please come yeah. on down to Duval. Yeah. I'm begging you. And, and you are making a point. You're pressing a point, if you will, on press. Uh, Sherwood, but, by the way. Yeah. I think we need to start calling him by his. I, I don't his, mind that. His, I, his, we uh, could adopt his, his name. Yeah. Maybe we need to call Trevor William too. Yeah. Is that what we want to do, Leon? Not nineteen eighteen. We're going to call him William. I like 1918. I I do like that. But Sherwood's pretty good for Press Taylor. That's his real name. Uh, But the one thing that Matt LaFleur has done, as soon as he became the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, he had them in this weekend pretty much every every weekend. They made it to the championship Mm -hmm. game. And he and Aaron Rodgers teamed up, even though they may not have teamed up offensively as far as the exact game plan, they were successful. So Matt LaFleur, what he has done in Green Bay, he's taken the Dobbs, the Watsons, the Wicks, all these guys, you can go down the line with the Musgraves, the, the, who is it, Tart, Kraft, Chuck, any of those guys that have all made plays for him. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely go on that side. Really good one from JD on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures that I want to read. The second-round pick is crucial across the board. That is what all of these teams have that the Jaguars do not. Every divisional round team that had a 2023 second-round pick found a starter there. Mm-hmm. The Lions with Sam Laporta, the Bills with Osiris Torrance, the Packers with Luke Musgrave, I thought he was a first-round pick, but maybe mm-hmm. he was second, mm-hmm. and Jaden Reed, Rishi Rice for the Kansas City Chiefs, Juice Scruggs for the Houston Texans, and Cody Mock for the Tampa well, that, Bay Buccaneers. That's an excellent example. Uh, really, it's really good because this football team, it lends to our argument, at least the one that I've been busting on with Balky, is that you did not get anything out of crucial drafts are crucial rounds, the second and third round, the fourth round, all of them. You didn't get anything out of them, hardly anything. Uh, and you had four picks in those three rounds. 
and you didn't get anything out of them. And these, the list is long right there as far as guys that have made contributions. All right, Matt, what do you got? Uh, the Packers. What do they have that this team doesn't have? I mean, other than the obvious? Well, you can give us the obvious if you want. Well, I mean, the obvious is the quarterback and the, and the one-two. Okay, yeah, that's, so, that's so now, the obvious, and it's also the run game, the way they're committed to running the ball. Yeah, I think when Aaron it's a Jones big, big healthy, deal. They are committed to running the ball yep. and getting play action mm-hmm. on, on track. Yeah. What was that stat I had about yeah. C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love off play action? It's like they it's were like ridiculous. 10 for 12 for four touchdowns over yeah. the weekend. Yeah. Because they commit to the run. It's, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I was sitting here with Danny, and we were watching those. This was Monday, when he, and the mm-hmm. whisperer comes in for us on Mondays. Mm-hmm. And we're watching the Packers, the, the highlights, the playoff game. And Danny looks at him and he goes, he looks exactly like Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. Everything he does, the way he moves, the way he throws the ball, everything. Because that system is perfect. Yeah, but it just sets up, man. Like, I, I, keep, I, I was shocked when I heard this. They are running an offense that Aaron Rodgers didn't want to run. Did not want to run. And made sure that he didn't run it. And yet, they do look alike. But it's decision making. I mean, he had two of his best years prior to his yeah. last year there, so I don't know why he didn't yeah. want to run. Oh, yeah, he's well because he got to run what he wanted, so he still <clears throat> had the success in the offense that he liked to run. But I, I, I can't argue with that, Jordan. All right, so now with two of the three teams we've mentioned, mm-hmm. the quarterback has been mentioned as one of the reasons or one of the things they have that this team doesn't have. That's interesting. That's interesting. Number two overall pick, twenty. I don't think you were. We would be saying that a year ago, too. Yeah, by the way, exactly. So that's so that's that just tells you a year. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. and also, what have you done for me lately? It's right. also like I mean, you said beauty is definitely in the eye of the beholder, but you know what else? Like, ugly is in the eye of sixty turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Because at the end of the day, you lose games when you turn the ball over, yeah. period. You're not going to get away from it. All right, I'll use this as a jumping-off point uh, into the uh, the cold waters. From the Atlantic to the Pacific, oh! Let's see if we can get a perfecto out of you with this Pacifico question. Pacifico, found in Baja, imported by surfers. It's for those who live life anchors up. Enjoy it, that's for sure. All right, we mentioned two guys right there. Those soft, melodic tones that J.J. cranks out. I just love them. Uh, Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud both made their first postseason starts of their careers. How about this number? They each posted a 157.2 passer rate. 157.2, the highest mark ever by a player in his first postseason span. Okay? That's a minimum of 20 attempts, but basically that is the highest with a minimum of 20 attempts by a player in his first postseason start. Okay? So, this week, Love and Stroud did it. Before this week, the three highest passer ratings by a player in their first postseason start were, can you give me some guesses? Cam Newton. That's the first guy I would have said. Patrick Mahomes. Andrew Luck. Have Mm. we hit any yet? No. Really? One of them you will not get. You just don't have a chance to get it, I don't believe. Uh, the other how far two. back are we talking? W- w- one's gettable. Per, uh, like, per, how about this? One you won't get, one's a wild card, and one you What year get. is the one you won't get? Uh, 1983. 83? Yeah, I am, I'm uh, surprised by this one. 1983. Ken O'Brien. No, he had a 150 point more passer rating. Who? Marino. Marino. No, no, he was. No, 83. Blackledge? 
Didn't you nope. say 83? Dan no, Fouts. 93. 93. Oh, no, 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 83. 83, you're right, you're right, you're right. Dan you're right. Fouts. Dan Pastorini. Nope, I'll give it to you because I just don't think you'll get it. Okay. Uh, Lynn Dickey. Okay, we're yeah, not going to get it. We weren't nice. getting that one. Yeah, we're not going to get that one. All right, the other one is a wild card, uh, and then another one you should get. Kirk Cousins. Nope. Russ. Nope. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Warner? Kurt Warner. Oh, yeah, I was waiting for – I'm mm. glad you, you beat Matt to his man. You beat Matt to his man. <laughs> Kurt Warner had a – Russ was my man. One four, well, <laughs> both of those. It's Kurt or Russ. Kurt or Russ. Uh, 143 for Kurt Warner, uh, and that was in January of 2000. And then the one guy who was a little bit of a wild card uh, was a good player but never a great player, Rodney Pete. No. Nope, wouldn't have gotten that one. Yep, nope. Rodney Pete in his first start for Philadelphia, by the way, 143.3 passer rating. And Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud both flew over all those numbers with a 157. Okay, that that's some rare air for those two guys. We'll see if it lasts. We'll see if either one of those guys get to play on. Both of them are going on the road, and we'll find out whether they can do it. Both is basically – Nine to ten point underdogs. We will continue with our look around the eight remaining teams in the National Football League. What do they have that the Jags need? We will also get back into the college game. But first, speaking of the college ranks, Miami, we need to talk. Are you ready for this, Leon? Please. Tell me more about this tight end, Cam McCormick. Mm. Does he do a whole heck of a lot? Uh, No. Well, he is now returning for his ninth season of college football. <laughs> officially was granted the waiver for his He was ninth granted season. his ninth season? Yes. He was in the same recruiting class as Jalen Hurts and Nick Bosa. Yeah, he's, he's from he's, Oregon. Yeah. He should have his doctorate by now, shouldn't he? Yeah. Nine so, years in college? His he, clock had to have stopped. He's, he's, he had right. season-ending injuries three years in a row. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, well, all right. That, he, uh, he transferred to Miami ahead of last year. He had a somewhat limited impact, eight catches for 62 yards, appeared in 13 games. He initially joined Oregon in 2016. He received a few additional years thanks to those three season-ending injuries and COVID and the COVID-19 waiver. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, ho- hopefully he has his degree, nine years in college. I hope he's got multiple degrees. Oh, wow. Well. I hope he did a residency too while he was there. It took me seven to get through to get one, so it took me five. I'm damn <laughs> proud of that too. <laughs> oh, I am. I am very proud of it. All right, what do they have that you don't have? You guys can keep it going. Six four one ten ten. Chime in. We'll read some of your responses and, and really good ones as far as the contributions of draft picks. That is real and legit. So we will stay on that coming up on XL Prime. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. We are the dudes. He is the man. Leon Searcy, one more seg before he heads out. Uh, we roll until 3 o'clock this afternoon, XL Primetime. Joe C., me, O'Brien, Maddie Hayes, Big Searcy, and JJ. Uh, and we need to keep going with the teams that are in and your team is not in and what they have and what you don't have. Uh, But first, some portal numbers from the college football world, because we mentioned, Matt, that we were thinking that it was 20-plus for Alabama that were on their way out after Nick Saban retired and then only two or three coming in. That number's grown. So Here's the best way to look at it. 30 days from him resigning. 30 days from when you lose your coach, whether he's fired, whether he resigns. Whether he goes to the NFL, whatever. And this was when? Friday of last week, right? Uh, yes. Thir- no, Thursday of last week. Yeah. One of those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I get the, the point I was making was it's it's rare that you build organically, which is what Billy Napier's trying to do, mm-hmm. okay? So, 
of the – give me three programs that you think could still at this stage build organically through the high schools. Uh, and Georgia. Would Georgia's be one, right? Yeah. yeah. Alabama before Nick left would be sure. two. Ohio sure. State. And Ohio State, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All right, we'll just go with those three. <clears throat> Georgia's lost 20 players to the portal. And, and there's a lot of them are four- and five-star guys that just couldn't get on the field right. because their other guys are better than them. Yeah, because uh, because as we have often said, he is stacking them up. Yes. Okay? He's not just going out and getting yes. three or four. He's stacking them up. Yes. Ohio State's lost 19. Also, a lot of elite players. Mm-hmm. Alabama's lost 26. Okay, we're at 26 now. It's the most of anyone. Yeah, and, and it's not surprising because that's the one that lost their coach, and the other guy's got to prove that he can – Coach up those but, four and five stars. But think about this. Florida's lost 23. Texas A&M's lost 23. A lot of good players Texas A&M's lost. A lot of good players. Mm-hmm. South Carolina's lost 22. Oklahoma's lost 18. LSU's lost 17. And, so and, it's like Arizona just finished a 10-win season. Mm-hmm. Jed Fish gets the job at Washington. They're already up. They lost eight yesterday. They're already up to 20. I I, so, I I don't know how they're going to fix this. So 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 the kids that are bouncing, they're, they're heading back, heading into the portal. The likelihood of them going back to home or going to the team that pays them the most. that they didn't basically is that the truth? Pays yeah. them the most. Or like the second place team second in the recruiting team. Yeah, when exactly. they're out of it's, high school. Yeah, I was yeah. Trying to figure out yeah. What, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's that, but it's also who pays them the most. Yeah. Well, I think I think what it is is like okay, let's just say you didn't perform to a level that you thought you were when you were highly recruited, then maybe that kid goes back home. That's yeah, possible. That, yeah, that's what and then the kid who performed well, but then he looks around and goes, "This ain't the place for me." Now I'm gonna go get that money, and so mm-hmm. it's it's really two or three different categories that they probably fall in. Right, like like. Amari Niblack is not – like, he left Alabama. He's going to get a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like, Isaiah Bond got a lot of money from Texas. He tweeted out he was sitting in his Lamborghini mm-hmm. a day or two after he, after he signed with Texas. Lamborghini's so, left and right serious? in Austin, Texas. Are you yes. serious? Yes. Could have been a Christmas present so, from his mom. Like, bro. if you're – it could be. Yeah, of course it yeah, could. Yeah, that's always – But a, my a, point is, if you're an elite guy – gift idea for mom. There's always a spot for you. Even if you're a former five-star guy who – like Xavier Sawyer, who people think, ah, you know, he's still got a lot of potential. Or Marvin Jones Jr., mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy that can play. Um, he probably got a little money to go to. Four, to who was uh, the kid? State. Who was the kid that rolled up in Oxford in a Lamborghini to sign his his deal? I think that might have been uh, an, uh, an actual Princely, I don't think. That might have no, been a high school no, kid was, rolling up was, to sign his national letter. It was intent. last year. It was last. No, last I have to go back portal, and look. Wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it last I, portal? I, re- I remember uh, Rohan Marley. Coming to the dorms, it, it was a trailer. Now he had a BMW and a BMW bike on the on the trailer. Pulling. Where did he get the money from? His dad is Bob Marley. Oh right, 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 <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I was uh, thinking, wait a second, y'all yeah, handing out? No, no, this was in the nineties. No, that was that was. All right, yeah. all right. One more. Uh, so before Surce leaves, just so we can at least hit half of these uh, as far as teams that are in the divisional round. Uh, what they have that you don't have with your Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, and then we'll get to some of the the uh, text uh, on that subject as well. Um, but Leon, when you we mentioned the Green Bay Packers, the Houston Texans, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, let's go for some some gold. We're going to get to those top top two teams coming up here in just a second. But let's go to the Detroit Lions, my Lions, because mm. you still have the Bills, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Niners that we will yeah. name probably save it for tomorrow to keep you included in this. This was um, easy for me. My Lions, what do they have that this team doesn't have? O line, one of the best O lines in the in the NFL, from from tackle to tackle. 
It is solid. Solid. Okay, I can't argue with that. I will not argue with that. Run the ball, protect. They they do it all. Pull, perimeter, power block. I'm right there with Leon, Mm. and it's great run game design. Mm -hmm. You have a a thunder and a lightning in David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs that, yes, those are two very talented players, but they're set up to succeed. And I think, again, it goes back to how are you setting up Travis Etienne, who was the second leading rusher in the NFL for much of this season. He looked how great are you for setting the first him up? September, October. He looked great. He was one of the, like, we, we hit that midway point. We were naming him MVP uh, in just the type of season he had. Listen, all you have to do is if you play, if you slice and you show the Detroit offensive line versus our offensive line down the stretch, you will see a clear cut difference. I mean, yeah. The, the opponent is going backwards. Mm-hmm. They are being folded like tents. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. They're All getting right. to the second level. So two O lines, Matt. Uh, I think defensive pass rush and the aggressive way they play on defense is something that clearly. So give some Aaron this, Glenn love. This yes, this team is lacking now. Now, if you look, if you're going just by numbers, like they have 41 sacks, the Jags have 40. Mm-hmm. They had 81 tackles for loss. The Jacks has 73, so it's negligible. But I just think the way they play defensively, that they try to dictate tempo. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this defense was trying to do that earlier in the season, was succeeding at some, in some games, but it just, down the stretch, it just lost. You know what I think they have that this team doesn't have? Kneecaps. Mm. That too. Yeah. Kneecaps. Yeah, that's hard. And, and that's they're the biting heart. yours on the way down, okay? Because Dan Campbell just stated it very clearly that they are going to fight. They are going to do everything they can to stay uh, ahead of you, above you, on whatever, however you want to describe it. They want to beat you no matter what it takes. And that's the style that he's coached with. It goes back to the heart that you mentioned earlier uh, because it does appear like they play hard for him. They do have heart, and, and they've got yes, results, too. I'm going to tell you who he reminds me. He, he reminds me of Calvert when I was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Just so, just so fiery. It looks like when he gets angry, he spits. Can't you see, can't you see that face? I see. I, yeah, I mean, okay. I see Calvert in a lot of him because I remember the meetings when Calvert first got the job in 92 when he came in. He was intense in those meeting rooms. You know, you felt like he wanted to be out on that field, and you would run through a wall for him. And yeah. then – what the proven commodity is is that the stuff that he's doing is working. Because yeah. my first year at Pittsburgh, we went twelve and four. That we got bounced out of by Buffalo in the first in the first round. Mm-hmm. But just the consistency here, I see. I, I think with this Detroit Lions team, I don't think they're going to be one hit wonders. Yeah. I think for the, for the remainder for the next couple of years, they're going to be and, consistently good. And they built that last year. Okay, mm-hmm. when this team was the sweetheart, darling, on the way, they lost. They won that last game, but they lost their shot at the playoffs. And they built it right then and there. And, and that's when you know, we just look at what he's been able to do. Now, here's what else they have that this team doesn't have. And this is just straight legit. Sam Laporta has more receptions than any rookie tight end in NFL history. Okay? He has 86 grabs. Uh, most receiving yard, His receiving yards ranked fourth among rookie tight ends all time. 889 receiving yards. How many touchdowns? Double digits. Mm. Ten receiving touchdowns became uh, one of three rookie tight ends ever to reach that mark. So he, he was a second round pick. Yeah, they yeah. they allowed to play, aren't they? 
They are allowed oh, to play now. He was. It picked- also should be noted the cupboard was very bare at the tight end position for the Lions. Yeah. There was very Ooh. much an immediate need for come on in and yeah. catch some passes. And he was picked much higher in the second round than where Brendan mm-hmm. Strange was picked. But whatever, I don't care. Uh, Luke Musgrave, as the uh, texter pointed out, was a second round pick. And so he is a guy that stepped up and has made plays for them. And there was what I'm swearing two or three tight ends that made plays this year for the for the Green Bay Packers, along with yeah, well, Kraft, who was a third round pick, yeah, yeah. Um, who fell yeah. there, and yeah. so and then, that's worth noting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It and, also should be noted that another potential target for the Jaguars in this past draft, in which they took Brenton Strange, was Luke Schoonmacher out of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, how many catches did he have? For, I had him somewhere for, here uh, but, for the good old Cowboys this year. Um, eight catches for sixty-five yards. Yeah, and then you can take a look at uh, Jaden Reed. Some of the other guys for the Green Bay Packers that have stepped up. I mean, the list is long as far as what these guys have been able to do. But Laporta has been special and played through that bone bruise this last go around. And really, that's the thing you're looking for. That's that Dan Campbell identifier, right? Toughness, absolutely. That toughness. Yes, absolutely. And so we'll see whether or not this football team can can do that 180-degree turn back in the right direction because they went in the wrong direction after accomplishing so much a season ago. Uh, all right, Big Sirs, you were headed out the door. I am. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. We will talk to you <clears throat> manana. Sounds good. So we'll leave four teams on the table, okay? Chiefs, Bills, which, by the way, I don't know if that line's moved. It's two and a half. At least it's been hovering around there. And then the Ravens and the Niners is the remaining four teams uh, for this football team. we got to get to some of your texts as far as what you think that this team is missing, that those teams have. Actually, like one of the texters goes, yeah. the Lions have Brad Holmes. Yeah. Brad Holmes is one of the top general managers in the National Football League. That is an excellent suggestion. So we'll keep that going as we head into the 2 o'clock hour. It's XL Primetime. This is XL Primetime. Brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. We love hanging out. 3 o'clock hour on the way with the Frangie Show. We've got you until then. XL Primetime. Joe C., Mia O'Brien, Maddie Hayes, Big Surce is out the door. JJ, we are all still here till 3 o'clock. And uh, you know who's still here? This kind of cracks me up a little bit. Uh, we're going to stay on the college uh, theme to start off the 2 o'clock hour. But Jerry Glanville is still here, okay? You know, he used to always leave tickets for Elvis, which was just one of the coolest dang things ever. It didn't matter if he was coaching the Falcons or the old Oilers or whatever. He's 82 years old, Matt. He's 82 years old, and he is coming back into the college ranks. DC. Uh, he is a directional DC, okay? And when I say directional, it's Northwest <laughs> Oklahoma State, and they have hired old Jerry Glanville as their new defensive coordinator. I thought he was old. still at Hawaii. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> not even sure if Northwest – I'm going to have to look it up. Northwest Oklahoma State might not even be FCS. They may be like Division Two or – who knows? I have no idea. I love it though. It just and we thought Womack would be the best hiring name of the offseason. <laughs> yeah. Look out. But Glanville, he'd wear those glasses and those boots, man, and he would just command respect. He had done a little XFL, I believe CFL. Uh anyway, he'd been all over. They were one in ten last year. Yeah. <laughs> they but need they help won defensive. their final game of the season in a rivalry matchup, of course, against Southwestern Oklahoma State University. They beat the brakes off them. Yeah. 41 Southwestern, to 0. Southwest South, wanted none. Yeah. None of the it's North. It's on the front of their Northwestern Oklahoma State <laughs> University 
web page. Of course it is. It's beautiful. It's the main story. The They've Rangers. Hired. Yeah. They've hired him. They've also used a photo of him from like 1972. Yeah, he looks like he's 52, yeah. not 82. <laughs> is, is he rocking the shades and listening to Roy Orbison no, right now? He's in all black, though. He looks like Roy In that old Corvette? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. All right. Uh, Alabama. Let's yeah. Do, let's I wanted do to do this exercise because I've heard so much speculation of like nine and three will have Kalen DeBoer on the hot seat. Ten and two will have him on the hot seat with the natives in Tuscaloosa. So I wanted to go back. That stretch between Bear Bryant's run between 1958 to 1982 and Nick Saban's now notorious 17-year run at the University of Alabama. Let's go through. I want to go through each coach and what was tolerated, if you may. All right? Mm -hmm. Between those two, yep. So the first coach who was hired after Bear Bryant, a guy by the name of Ray Perkins. Ray Perkins, best season in Alabama, of which he was the head coach for four seasons, was 10-3 and in 1986. Ten-win season. He then left Alabama on his own accord to coach the expansion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Following him came Bill Curry. Bill Curry, also a 10-win season in 1989, three seasons at the helm of Alabama. Brick through the window. He yeah. left. One of the best commentators for ESPN Saturday Nights. One yeah, of my favorites. And he had not only 10 wins, his signing bonus was that brick through the window. I know you're going to say left on his own accord to go to Kentucky, but brick through the window. Yes, program. <laughs> he left to go to the program. Yeah. Let's continue down the line of, again, these he, are the, he, he I just want to be very deserve. clear here. Brick through the window, okay? Yeah, he did not deserve the— uh, Gene and by Stallings. The way, and by the way, Perkins was going to get a brick through the window, okay? <laughs> Gene Stallings, best season, 13-0, and won the Sugar Bowl Babe. in 1992. Love Natty. Him. Love him. 12-1 and one season, 10-3 and three seasons, retired. Won the Natty. Yeah, chose, won the Natty. Chose to leave on his own yeah. accord. A yep. great man. Then we get to Mike DeBose. Best season. What do we think? SEC title, 99. 10-3, 1999, then went 3-8. Yes, but won the SEC. Let's not forget that. Won the SEC. All right, wait, was that 9-3, meaning nine wins and three secretaries? What was that? I can't quite remember. That's true. See, that's also true. All right, go ahead. See, there are are extenuating circumstances, me, okay? Yeah. (laughs) See, you just got here, like, you know, what, five five years ago? Six, yeah. Six, okay. So you don't know all the extenuating circumstances. So we're going to let you in on the secretaries. Nine wins, three secretaries. All right, keep going. It was sexual harassment case is what it was. Yeah. So. Then anyway, we, continue, please. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Are we, are we counting old Dennis? Well, Dennis Franchoni, I used to call him the Spaghetti Western. Fran. Yeah, we're counting yeah. Fran, of okay. course. Yeah. Fran and Coach Fran. Pretty good there. He, he just, was like one of the first guys. He got the hell out of Dodge because he saw what the night what the nightmare was. 10-win yeah. season, left for A&M. He, which was a move down, no yeah. question. But he also was like the first kind of like personality as a head coach that took that particular mantle, which was a big mantle in college football, and used it for his own good. So listen, I'm going to give you the great, two great Dennis Franchione anecdotes yeah. okay, about this. So it's within this. I was like asking him about the idea of, of the Alabama job. This is after he left Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in his office asking him about this, and he said, you have no idea what it's like. No one does until you're actually there as the head coach. Now, Nick didn't deal with this nonsense because Nick – Told Mal Moore, told Mal Moore, said, I'm not doing all that crap. I'm just coaching football. Mal said, okay, because Mal was desperate. But Dennis went there, and within the first month he was there, they had him raffling a sheet cake off the back of a trailer, (laughs) the bed of a trailer, okay? Uh, Then, like, before his first first game he coached, months later, 
He got a call. His secretary comes in and says, you know, there's a woman, a nice woman. She's she has cancer. She's passing away. She one of her, you know, one of the things she wants to do more than anything is meet the Alabama coach. And he's like, of course I'll do it. Like, why wouldn't I do that? So he goes or he goes to her house. He goes in her room because she's bedridden. Mm-hmm. He goes in the room, sits down, and right next to her bed, on the bedside table, is a framed picture of Bear Bryant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next Bear to Bryant. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "You." He looked at me and said, "You have no idea what oh, yeah. what that place is like until you are actually the coach." Now, continue, Mia. Yeah, she's probably praying to Bear, <laughs> save me. Uh, or we're not going to count Mike Price. Yeah, no, we kind of. Yeah. But he was in and out. Destiny, yes. Yeah, he was in and out. Technically didn't have a record. Yeah, it went with he also a technically motel didn't have a, a hotel. Date with Destiny. His record was 0 and 1. Yes. Because apparently, like, that's his, what. No, his record was oh. Right, but the whole Sports Illustrated got sued for that because he technically didn't have the date with Destiny. He just met with Destiny and had the date with a couple other strippers. Well, uh, figuratively speaking. Dancers. Figuratively speaking, he was had Destiny, Destiny. Destiny or Destiny dancers. was an exotic dancer? Yeah. Destiny was the exotic dancer who. Sports Illustrated said he was with, but he technically wasn't with her, which is how Sports Illustrated got sued. Yeah. He was with two other people. Yeah, and were they the ones who yelled roll tide roll? Or was he it- rolled roll tide. Okay. And, no, or they they yelled roll tide and he roll he yelled it's rolling, baby. That's yeah. what it was. According to Sports Illustrated. See what you're learning, man? Yeah. I am <laughs> learning a lot. I am. And so his was time. a bit of a short lived. His combat. was here's another great anecdote about Mike Price. Another great Mike Price anecdote, okay? I got this from an Alabama staffer. He walked into his first meeting there, okay? When he got there, let me just say that they were on probation. They could not play in a bowl game. He walked in. The first thing he did in the staff meeting was throw down sugar packets. Like, you know, the SEC champion goes to the sugar yeah, bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, none of them wanted to say, uh, Coach, we're not eligible to go to bowl. <laughs> you ain't going to go anywhere. Remember, who was it? Was it George O'Leary who also never coached? Was that Notre Dame? Well, he falsified well, he his resume. The, yeah, the resume. lied about yeah. Good, good buddy of Doug Classic Marone, though. And by the guy way, Mike who Price never coached, but got a hired. Great dude, George O'Leary I mean, was a really good guy. Mike and, Price, if he were here, yeah. he would be a fantastic coach. Oh yeah, like a yeah. great dude. Well, he went to uh, where San Antonio. Well, he was at Wazoo. No, and then he went to UTEP. And, UTEP, UTEP. Yeah, I the minors. I actually, when I was at Sporting News early in the 2000s, he allowed me to be on the field with him on game day, right yeah. next to him. Yeah, that's right cool. next to him during game day. Yeah, and at one point he looked at me and said. What do you think I should run? So like an <laughs> idiot, I just go, uh, play action. Ran it, first down. Oh, yeah. Nice. Good call. Yeah, I mean, just a great dude. Great dude. And then we get to Mike Shula. Best record, six and six. That one kind of writes itself. <sighs> all right, here's the thing that That's got. That's the that hurts all the band. Here's fans. the thing that Mike got Shula Mike Shula. Shula. Mike Shula had a big win over the University of Florida and kept one of his guys in. And there's a Bama fan right now that can feel the pain from, what was it, Prothrow? Is that the one who broke his leg? Mike Shula really hurts the wide receiver. Like yeah. I yeah. guarantee you, High Tide's going to be texting saying, "Yeah, so Mike Shula hurts." And 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 sat in Timmy Tebow's living room the day he pledged to the University of Florida. Like they said, he wouldn't leave. Well, <laughs> Timmy was torn up that he had to tell him no. Right? Yeah, yeah. He tore him up. Yeah, he was a good man. Another yeah, good a man. good man, but just yeah. It, when you got y'all y'all in the in the in the. Independence Bowl against Iowa State after that. Yeah. Tom Kine. Joe Kine. Joe Kine. That kind of encapsulated the entire Mike Shula uh, tenure there as the yaw yaw. All right, go ahead, me. I'm sorry. So, no, no, it's okay. So, obviously, you know, the point of this ex- this exercise yeah. 
was not to superficially say, well, this guy had 10 wins and this guy didn't, and therefore this is what Alabama will allow because, as Matt illuminated, obviously there are multiple extenuating factors yeah. in every situation. Yeah, you, right. But Gene Stallings clearly was the golden era, if there was one, between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. Yeah, he yeah. won the national a great coach. He was a great coach. And he by really the way, was. that was the great game that – Born, born the SEC championship. Oh, yeah. That was the great game that had they not won that game, Florida would have moved on. Who knows what would have happened? But anyway, they went on. They won that game. That was also, that. by the way, Lamar Thomas and the whole Teague and stripping the ball. JJ, I'm sure, remembers that. Mm-hmm. And the Sugar Bowl. Remember that, JJ? Mm-hmm. What year? The loss, 92. No, I don't remember 1992. I was yeah. born in 1992. Yeah, exactly. yeah it was two years ago. Yeah. But, the point, but the, you're a fan of Miami. You too, yes. Yeah. The point of doing this exercise is to say, what will Alabama fans tolerate given they just went through one of the greatest runs in college football history, but also knowing what history a little bit further back than 2007 suggests? I know, but this, Saban changed everything. He changed the paradigm of everything. Well, it's like he's he's like I mean, he is considered better than Bear Bryant. Could you ever imagine anyone saying anyone would be better than no, Bear Bryant? It was unthinkable. Not only at Alabama, but in college football. Yeah, and, and he's and, now raised the bar above that. Right, and I I don't want to say flew past him, but if you look at the amount of time, oh, you took, could say it. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, he flew past him. The amount of time it took him to do what he did to match Bear Bryant in a much more difficult situation. Exactly, uh, he did it in in, in half the time. In a, in a very different environment. They had 105 scholarships back then. So the, Bear uh, would literally take the best players in the South and hide them on the bench. Yeah. And the other thing that Matt said earlier is that Dennis Franchoni was forced to do certain things like selling raffle tickets for a sheet cake. Uh, Nick came in. When he came in, after all the misery that they had and mistakes, he said, I ain't doing any of that. He was allowed to do that because they were so desperate. Yeah. Right. And this right. is how we're going to do it. Now, remember, when Nick got hired, he already had a natty. He had already won at LSU. And so he called the shots. And so, yeah. And Bama was so down. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, mean, honestly, a three-loss season is going to be a problem for him. I'm not saying they're going to fire him. I'm just saying it's it's, – look, they they now expect what Nick Saban But I'm not going to say a three-loss season is going to get him clobbered year one. No, if they go go nine and three, then they win a bowl game. They're not going to be happy about nine and three. They'll be happy that they won the bowl game to get to ten right. and three, and they missed. But they year, missed the playoff. And yeah. Believe me, if they missed the playoff this year, they're not going to be happy about that. Yeah, he's got a honeymoon period, especially because it's a twelve-team playoff. Yeah, it's believe that's me, where that's, he kind of gains a little bit of a, three a longer loss. Bam is getting into the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And no, so his honeymoon. Not. See, that's yes, another thing you got to yes, remember. Is is I think I agree with you when you say that Alabama got, got a lot of breaks. I agree with that, but Nick was the reason they got the breaks because they knew once they got in there. He had a month to prepare. They weren't losing. Yeah, but that. you know, if you see a team with Milrow and guys you still recognize, and it's still Alabama, and, and there's going to be three lost teams in the playoffs. Yes. We all know that. So if there is, Bama's going to be is, one of them. Man. And, and I don't know. I'm with JJ 100 that eyeballs will gravitate to the tide, and 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 they'll use the argument. That's the mighty SEC that he played. I mean, I mean, we, we can joke like around about three that. Losses but that are in the top fifteen. No, right? JJ, they're not top yeah. twelve, not top fifteen. Yeah, but they'll you take, remember it's twelve. They get, they get right now. The the first, the highest ranked three three lost team by the college football playoff committee in the last poll. Arizona was LSU at oh. thirteen, and then Arizona at fourteen. 
Those are two three-loss teams that were right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they'll be on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they'll be on the bubble. And then Nick will come out of retirement and get on that college game day set and make sure that they get in there. Thank you to our nooner in Alabama, by the way, <laughs> yeah, for, he for, uh, for correcting me and fact-checking. I appreciate Shula's best record was 10-2, and two, but obviously uh, those wins were vacated. Yeah, he, yeah, he he like I said, he had a chance, and then it just eroded around him. Well, they wanted him to be – They that wanted him to succeed was, because yeah. – he was a former Bama player because he's a Shula. Yeah, he was he a Shula. It was great, and it just yeah. never and happened. He starred there, and they wanted him to basically get them back to where they had been craving so badly to get back to, and then finally. I mean, they- honestly, all those guys until Nick were one way or another kind of a little bit forced out, mm-hmm. one way or another. Well, that's like the, they can say that they well we they like Ray Perkins could say he went to go coach the Bucks and the NFL was the NFL. He, they were getting tired of him. Well, quickly, yeah, it's that quickly. noise in the system that they will, were clearly getting tired of Bill Curry quickly. Yeah, unrelenting. And believe it or not, they were getting tired of Gene Stallings too, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think. All right, we keep it going. It's XL Prime Time. You can chime in on that. We definitely will get back to some of those transfer portal uh, pieces of news, and then back to the Jags. And when are they going to make a move? How quickly will they make that move towards that defensive coordinator decision? This is XL Primetime, protected by Preferred Roofing on 1010XL. While I understand my understanding of much of Alabama's history is through what I've read because I was, well, in diapers for much of what we just recited. I hope you enjoyed that trip down memory lane. Joe's got some friends already texting him and reliving the history of Alabama and where they may be headed. We also have Alabama breaking news, too. Oh, Piping in a little Alabama right now. Yeah, give us a little of that. So that I love. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right now, high tides right now in his house. He's thinking. He's lighting up at me. This better not be Jalen Milrow, man. <laughs> Did he just put the gas mask on like Badger? <laughs> Alabama corner Jameer Grimsley, a four-star recruit from the 2024 class, has entered the portal. So now it's 27. Alabama players. 27 and counting. And that was one who literally just signed. Yeah. High Tide's all right. As long as, long as it's not Jalen Miller, I think he's going to be all right. Yeah. High Tide also is rooting for Shane Beamer because he's kind of accepted whoever was going to get this job is going to be out in three years, yeah. which, again, based on history, I mean, you could argue outside of the ones that have won national titles, most Alabama coaches haven't lasted more than four or five years. No, and I think that's why all those guys, like, Landing and Sark and all them said no. They're not following Nick. But well, if you get that buffer, if you have the Zook there, they'll be the guy that follows up. Exactly. The next him. guy in will win. He will not have to win. He will win. Right. Because that will be their hire. And it's like we said before, there's going to be uh, – uh, uh, you can come up with a lot of different ways to describe it, but the next guy in is going to be the fall guy. And whatever he does, unless he does something remarkable. Yeah, maybe Kalen just does okay, something think, remarkable. Let, let, let me give you an example. Well, he's done it everywhere he's though. been. Yeah, like well, I'll give you an example. Fans. Uh, Jimbo Fisher follows point, Bobby. JJ. Jimbo follows Bobby Bowden, yeah. goes out, recruits, recruits his fanny off, uh, stays uh, in the top ten, and wins a natty. Okay? But to be fair, he was coaching waiting. Yeah. He was there for, I believe, four years as OC. Yeah, he was, he yeah. recruited that roster. Right, but all I'm saying is, is that he was one of the few exceptions that could follow a legend and deliver. Now, Jimbo, since then, 
has under-delivered in every way imaginable. Right. But in that particular stretch, he did. You go down the line, there are so few that have been able to do it. Heck, you go down to Miami, after uh, Butch left, Larry Coker comes in and wins one, but then can't sustain it because he had all of Butch's players. And you can think of, we all know about the, you know, the, the Ron Zook era after – uh, Steve Spurrier, but then thankfully for Florida Gator Nation, they were able to go out and find the next guy that was going to go put him back and restore order. It is not easy. All right, another that. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, speaking of coaches on the move, new coaches, new places, uh, Mike Vrabel is in Los Angeles today to interview for the Chargers head coaching job. Okay, so Vrabel, I think uh, we always talk about which of the guys that are in that head coaching hopper are going to come from the defensive side and have enough cachet to get a job. Vrabel definitely is one of them. Adam Schefter also noting that the Falcons and Seahawks are interested in meeting with Vrabel, as we've alluded to throughout the program. The Falcons have most notably spoken with Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. The Seahawks, of course, favor Dan Quinn from multiple reports. That was, of course, before his defense got absolutely throttled by the Green Bay Packers this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would still think he's the leading candidate in Seattle just based off proximity to Pete Carroll's coaching tree and his experience. Um, but the Falcons situation in particular, and we were talking about this off the air, is so fascinating to me because it is as close to any coaching search this cycle that I feel like is akin to, dare I say it, the Urban Meyer hire Mm -hmm. here in Jacksonville. Arthur Blank clearly wants to take as big a swing as he's ever taken. He's getting up there in years. He's been courting Bill Belichick for weeks on end now. Had Jim Harbaugh in earlier this week. And while I know some of of our contemporaries up in the Atlanta media have been quick to note that the Rooney rule must be followed, they must speak to multiple candidates. Obviously, now they're adding Vrabel to the list of already known candidates to have interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons. I just can't help but feel like that is all for show, and we are barreling towards a Belichick or bust or Harbaugh or bust situation just north of us in the ATL. And the thing they've got to get done for either one of them to show up, I think, is give them the promise that they are going to either sign a free agent quarterback or draft a move up to draft a quarterback. Because what were they, a 7-10 and 10 team, right? Yeah. Seven and ten. So they're in the teens as far as drafting. And so that's definitely going to be the challenge. I think they may actually be a little bit higher. A little they, bit higher? Yeah. They're picking eighth at seven and ten. Did they have? No, that's that's their record. It, it, it was just very it was two and fifteen for the Panthers. Oh, yeah, I guess. Four I am and thirteen a for three more clubs, and then five and twelve, and then a bunch of six, eleven, seven, and tens. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because if you think about where the Jaguars are as far as a nine win team, yeah. So that it's a little surprising that it's that that much higher. But it also up. suggests you're probably not getting Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, or Drake May without moving up. Mm-hmm. And so, are you saying we're into Bo Nix or Michael Penix, or we need to figure something else out? Right, and they may go in that direction. Uh, but all those guys are going to be prized uh, draft picks, that's for sure. I want to do one more thing on you know follow the guy that 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 was the guy uh, with the ten ten take real quick. 
Now, Josie's 1010 tape. Slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue, local pitmasters since 68. So you know that they smoke it slow and serve it fast, and you can choose whatever you want. Those proteins are outstanding. The chicken, the ribs, the pork, the turkey, you name it, the brisket, they've got it all. And make sure you check out some of those delicious sides, Sonny's, all over the First Coast. And don't forget, they're going to give you that big game party. So we'll be telling you how you can qualify for that. So the guy that follows the guy, we just went through it. It is not easy to do, and there are very few that have been successful uh, in doing so. Think of this now. When Nick Saban walked away, he retired with seven natties. There is not another guy right now walking the planet that has more than three. Not another guy walking the planet that has more than three. And so following Nick Saban, just by math alone, is going to be that much harder to replace and think you're going to get something close to him. And you can use basketball, football, whatever one you want to use. But following the guy that has hung banners, hoisted trophies, it is not going to be easy. So preach patience. I don't know whether Tuscaloosa has that uh, in their DNA any more than Florida has it in their DNA, but that's what they're going to have to do, preach a little patience. That's the 10-10 take because the only guy right now Urban Meyer has three national championships, and everybody else that is above him uh, has, you know, gone to that great football sideline in the sky. Uh, Tom Osborne's right there with him as far as three natties, um, but there aren't any others. You know? So what you're saying is Todd Golden should lead Florida to a national title is what you're saying <laughs> because he wasn't the one who followed. Well, he was Mike the guy that's the, the guy. Who yeah, he followed so he's the, the guy. He's the guy who followed the guy. So you should expect more. Right. So <laughs> you should expect the national championship from Todd Golden. Well, I don't know about that. Just a little bit more than the other guy. And the other guy got him to an Elite Eight. Okay, think about that. Uh, when Mike White was first there uh, down in Gainesville. And uh, he did okay. Look at his record right now in the SEC. Three and one, three baby. And one. Opposite of the Gators at yeah. one and three. Yeah, and so uh, – We can talk about who they've played, who they haven't played yet all you want, but yeah. you can't deny. No, it, those things are real. Uh, but, but when you go back and you look historically at what Nick Saban did with seven and tying Bear with six Unreal. At, at one – and like you said earlier, Matt, in the environment that we are currently in, now he may be exiting at the perfect time because this is a shift change that I don't think too many coaches, administrators, or fans could have no, ever No, he's, he's getting out right before pay-for-play enters yeah. what he's doing. And by the way, if they went to pay-for-play and just made There's it no way that. happening. Well, no, no, I'm saying if they just made it that <laughs> instead of the, the, the free-for-all that is NIL and, and just basically free agency every single year, you just pay guys, you're going to have much more stability back in college well, you football. Can't, because if you, once you start to revenue share, that leads to collective bargaining, which leads to contracts and the end of player movement. So that's what it's all about. The NIL still will be there. These guys yes, are still going to get. They're like, still going to get NIL money yeah. in addition to the pay for play. Right, just not like. Yeah, just not, not like, like it was. This. Like you know, not like it is now. Correct. And that's where they need to just rein this bad boy in, if if they can. I and believe. I don't know if they can. We still have two teams. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. If not more, to look at what do those eight have that the Jaguars do not? Yeah, we left four for Leon. We're going to oh. come back and do the four. Let's do it. Yeah. Coming up next on XL Primetime. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL.
Getting close to the 3 o'clock hour. Francis Show will be rolling in XL Primetime until then. Uh, and it's funny when you said Atlanta is picking eight and whether or not they'd be able to get to one of those top quarterbacks or whether they might have to you know, look a little deeper than those top prizes. It's funny. If you have 10 wins, I had to go and look at the draft order just to remind me of this. If you have 10 wins in the National Football League and made the playoffs, you're still picking in the, in the teens. You're still picking 19th if you're the Los Angeles Rams as a 10-7 and seven team. That is crazy, but that is exactly where it's at. Basically, you have, what, uh, four, four or five teams that are in the same pile as Jacksonville, a couple of them that are at 8 and 9, and then another four-team pile that are 7 and 10. Our mind just hasn't Wrapped caught it. up to that's, we have another game now. Yeah, that like, 17 is tough. Game. Exactly. It, it really is, and you think seven wins? Come on, man. The, that that's means they, decent, they, they've right? got to be picking in the team. No, no, no. And there are some, obviously. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are 7-10. and 10. They are picking uh, 11th. Jets picking 10th. Bears, and they're all behind Atlanta. More than one of you on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures has brought up would Atlanta trade Justin Fields – or excuse me, would Chicago trade Justin Fields to Atlanta? And in mm. turn, where does that leave the eighth pick overall? What would Justin Fields command? Well – Right on cue. JJ, let's hit it little that, please. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. In case you missed it, former Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury spent the last year as a senior offensive analyst and quarterbacks coach at Southern California. He is now expected to interview for the Chicago Bears OC job per Adam Schefter of ESPN. Can you connect some dots for me, folks? Well, you definitely can because of the style of offense. And and, and look, this is um, the initial discussion we had when we were watching the coaching hire or excuse me, coaching firings. And Matt Eberflus decides to basically bounce his offensive staff like what happened here with Doug Peterson bouncing right. the defensive staff. And I remember looking at you going, ah, that must mean they're going to go in a different direction. Well, then you said, I don't know. Maybe they're going to bring people in to fix fields. So that does make some sense. But I still have to ask the very basic question. Did Cliff Kingsbury's offense really truly work in the National Football League? Or did it work at USC if he had that much of a say in the design, in the design this past season? That I he's mean, coming I, in for I, Caleb. Look, I, I, I get it. We're going to get into this a lot over the next few months. But yeah. We're holding off as long as we can. But, I mean, honestly, I, I I can see a lot of good in Justin Fields, but how do you pass on Caleb Williams? And if, if you tie, if you pass? connect the dots, like like Mia's saying, you could argue. How do you argue, pass him? What if he becomes the next Mahomes? In other words, like right now, if he's going there, they're trying to tell, they're trying to sell Justin Fields on the idea that he's coming to help you, but he may be just getting there to prep the whole uh, area for Caleb to come in. You don't. Oh, I know. think. I think if they pick him, if they pick Caleb one overall, I think they're trading Fields. He's not staying there. There's yeah. no way you can't do that. No, to either no, one of absolutely guys. not. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying. What does this move say more, one or the other? I don't know. I don't know. I don't it, either. I, th- I think it's separate. I think they're two completely separate things because this literally is a philosophical thing. The move to who you're picking. It's a philosophical. Do you do you think Justin Fields can develop into an elite quarterback? Mm-hmm. Because you know this guy's got special tools, Caleb Williams. You don't know if he can develop yet, but you've seen now three years of Justin Fields. You know, you know, what are you what are you looking at at this point? What's your decision? 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know how they'll sell that, at least between now. Like In other words, this decision, like you said, has just been made. they got to sell this to that. You almost can't. That, they got to sell it to that yeah. guy for at least two or three months before they make know, a decision. I don't know how you Unless they do a deal. So yeah, most teams, and by most I mean all, don't have their board right now. Most teams have not sent their coaches, and they've sent their scouts out, obviously, but mm-hmm. they have not come together to come up with a preliminary ranking. And the and that goes for the quarterback position as much as any, mm-hmm. even for those picking at the very top of the NFL draft. However, you'd be hard-pressed to say that if they are seriously talking to Cliff Kingsbury, that that is not at the very least to try and gain some intel. Yeah, in other words, when this, when this comes out, this report, I'm not sure who reported Schefter. it first, okay, and basically says he will interview for this job, the Fields camp is all – they're on the phone right now. They're like, what, what, what does this mean? What are they saying to us? Are they saying that they're prepping him and, 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 and with, the, with the idea that they're going to go get Caleb Williams? Do they want his OC from college? I don't know, but that would be one of the things I would be thinking about. If I had the camp I, and, and I had Justin Fields' ear or whomever. Well, if, that's, I mean, if you really want his guy, then you would hire Lincoln Riley as your head coach then if you mm-hmm. really want to do that. Right, which you, you know me, I was trying to float that out for the second half of the season that – that uh, Lincoln was on his way out, but th- that obviously well, had, did not I happen. I mean, had they won the Pac-12 and got to the playoff, he might have been on his way out. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. you know, then he'd be a more attractive candidate. But right then now, he wouldn't after be, yeah. Yeah, the way it's unfolded there at USC, I don't think he's an attractive candidate. No. By the way, Cliff as an OC in the NFL, I think that would be yeah, a great be hire. See, I, I just I try and figure out whether that offense, it looked like it was working. It really did. They made it to the postseason. And so his version of the air raid is not – unlike a lot of the other ones that we see, but wasn't he calm plays in Arizona? I, I believe yeah, he was. he was. That's why, not know? to cut you off, Matt, but that was yeah. uh, Lincoln Riley when you were discussing him. I'm like, yeah, if he had actually done all that, maybe he wouldn't be getting a D from CBS yeah, Sports yeah, like we discussed earlier mm-hmm. in the program. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and Lincoln probably is looking around going, yeah, to Matt's point, I can't walk out of the, of the game like this. I want to walk out. But they played for the playoff. And they they didn't they never won a playoff game. He has another year like this year, last next year. It's not that he's going to walk to the NFL. He's going to get kicked. He's going to get fired from USC. No, they paid him a boatload of money. Boatload of they're money. Not, they're not going back to back. You know, sub five hundred seasons. They it's kept Helton around for like forty years. Yeah, they gave him another contract and everything, and then they said we got to get rid of him. And then Lincoln, I believe Lincoln was the one who put the signals out that that he was ready to move, and they jumped on that bad boy. Uh, and they paid what six million dollars uh, for the home. Well, for allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, they bought his home in in Norman, which yeah. is expensive. Then they bought his home his in brand Malibu new Beach. home in Norman yeah. that he yeah. just got. Yeah, his, and, and then in, in a home in Malibu Beach, which is literally right on the ocean. Um, I, I feel like if we among could other get, things they did for him, I do feel like if we could get all the college. This is the liberal Joe C. I, I I'll only be here for ten seconds, and I'm evaporating. <laughs> We ought to get all those boosters just to clean up the national debt because they got a boatload of money, don't they? They will buy anything and everything to win. It is XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, Frangie Show ready to roll. Campus to JU and the Frangie Man joins us now. What is up, Frank? 
What's happening, Joe and company? We are out here at the River House now, the Cantina Rio. Joe, it's got you Ooh. written all over. It's what this has. Yeah, and now uh, we are glad that. to be here. We got a little ball tonight. I mean, how do you have a bar without Joe Coward? They really shouldn't have bars open without Joe Coward. They should just shut them all down except when Coward walks uh, in. I've, uh, I've said Joe, one. we're here. We're looking forward to it. Queens versus Ju. I've said one thing that what? I believe. I was not born on a bar stool, but I might leave on one. You know what? I've known you a long time. I would concur. So, yeah, we're here at JU. We love, we love coming out here. We were at UNF, Joe, as you know, last week, and we're here at JU this week, and we love being here. We love we love watching uh, college hoop in the local uh, Queens College versus JU. JU looking for that first win in the A-Sun. So a big game tonight for the Dolphins, so that and a whole lot more coming up. How you guys doing? What's going on uh, back at World Headquarters? Everything's good, man. We're just trying to solve all the problems uh, with Alabama and the exodus of talent and yeah. uh, the D grade yeah. that uh, Billy Napier got uh, with his second year of coaching. And trying to solve some problems, boy. They're all, but, but they're all leaving, aren't they? That is really wild. So, so no, we'll talk about that. So we got a lot of things we'll get to today as well. Uh, we'll talk about. Believe it or not, I'm going to talk about the Florida State basketball team. Five wins in a row. Suddenly, they're one of the best teams in the ACC. Give Leonard Hamilton credit. He never really backs down. Uh, Mike McCarthy's there another year. I got a thought about that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the coaching uh, carousel. That and a whole lot more. We've got all kind of stuff coming up. But a lot of college basketball uh, coming up today, including the Knowles and a whole lot more in just a bit. All right, Frank, sounds good. We'll be listening. Appreciate it. The Frank Frangie Show. Frank, Hayes, Lauren, RJ, they got it ready to roll uh, from the campus of JU. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. In the words of the columnist, I only got here six years ago and I haven't earned my stripes yet. That wasn't from today's. That's your takeaway. That wasn't from today's program. Yeah. That's from a while ago. No. But uh, no, uh, yeah, we'll throw that out there. Not all, not all situations are created equal. Also, uh, don't save your documents solely to your iCloud, folks, because uh, yeah, currently dealing with that, and it's not too fun. That's the stripes you're learning right now. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's just, the only one. Just hang right. with us. We take care of you with Bama. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, my takeaway is uh, look, until they pay players with shared revenue, this is what you're going to have: NIL player movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only way to end it is to have collective bargaining and contracts. Yeah. And when you think of uh, the way the divisional round unfolded, we'll complete this lesson tomorrow. What do they have that you don't have? I think we found out a lot that uh, the teams that are still alive uh, that the Jaguars would like to have, and we'll see if they can solve that problem this offseason. That is it. We are done. We've got the Frangie Show coming up next on the campus of JU. Joe C., me, O'Brien, Matty Hayes, and Big search with JJ back manana.